What's up, fantasy champions? Spotlight Sports Network is excited to tell you about an amazing deal from Thrive Fantasy, your place for daily fantasy sports and esports. Right now, with promo code SS Network, Thrive Fantasy will match up to fifty dollars of your first deposit. So go to ThriveFantasy.com and sign up now with promo code SS Network. That's ThriveFantasy.com promo code SS Network. Are you a fan of the Golden Knights? Do you love the Los Angeles Chargers? Well then my friend, you're in the right place. This is the Snake Sports Talk Show with your host, Jake the Snake Silva. Brought to you by the Spotlight Sports Network. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, first and foremost, I want to thank all of you guys for joining me here on a Thursday night. This is the Snake Sports Talk Show, wherever and however you may be watching. We're live on all social media platforms, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and, of course, Twitch, where you can like, follow, and subscribe to all of those social medias. Keep us up to date with future and, of course, watch some past shows if you missed. We love having you guys up on here. And, of course, uh, as always, my partner in crime here on the live stream, of course, is Jeremy Cage. Jeremy, how are you doing, my friend? I'm good, man. What a snazzy little intro that was, huh? I know. Oh, it's always snazzy when we're up and on here, right? <laughs> right, man. That's I um, it feels good, man. That's that's pretty cool. I'm I'm glad you got all that stuff. Oh, absolutely, man. You know, it, and it's it, there's going to be a lot to be talking about here tonight, and I'm actually really, really glad that we're up here tonight. And because th- listen, there are a lot of rumor buzzes and a lot of talks, but um, but yeah, I'm excited to at least have this show here tonight. So much going on. And by the way, guys, uh, all this show is provided by media, M-E-E-D-I-A. For those of you, you guys love podcasting. You guys want to end up um, producing content of your own, but maybe don't have equipment, don't have a laptop or so much more. Well, that not to worry because our smartphones have been they've been a game changer it's come it's a computer in the palm of our hand and media is an app you can download on the app store and in google play and when you download it all of all the um backgrounds and also when you produce content you're your own personal pr at the palm of your hand they have different backgrounds so much more download media today and get started on sharing your content so well let me just tell you this i'm going to shift over here to this but so we have a lot of rumor buzzes here uh, that's been going around in the last couple of days. And I just want to first off kind of say it this way because there's one in particular that's really caught my mind. Now, a lot of us, we've been hearing about, you know, the Sean Watson moves and now Carson Wentz is up there up on the trade block. But I want to end up talking about this because this is a two-part segment here that we'll be explaining. So 
of course I have one business. I'm part of my second job. I want to discuss a little bit about how my first job was. Now, I won't explain exactly what my job was, the names, or any of that. But I did have a job that I worked for for four years. And all it was was basically quality customer service, making sure that everybody's cars were were fixed up and they were cleaned up and they were ready to roll by the time that they left the lot. And all throughout the years, the one thing we always strived for was being the best quality customer services in the Southern Nevada region and all in the West Coast region. That has always been our, that's all, that's always been our target. That has always been the goal. And we've worked tirelessly. We've worked hard on it. And we've come across, you know, we, we've come away with a bunch of accolades for it. But the reason that I ended up making the move out of the job for something better, and this is nothing against it. But there were times where it felt like there were certain things that I was doing and not really kind of getting paid for. And yeah, it, it kind of triggered and sparked my mind. And that was the part that down the road, I had to look elsewhere and I had to look for something better. But initially, a lot of people, a lot of people, customers, coworkers, so many. For the four years that I have devoted into this job, and this was straight out of high school, I never thought I would have got a job like this. But out of the four years, I dedicated to having quality customer service, made sure that our customers were happy, and they kept on coming. Because that was where it wasn't just numbers, but these were customers that devoted their time and their services to us for us to fix the vehicles. So one in particular that I really wanted to talk about is this Russell Wilson thing. Okay. People have been saying, oh, you know, because there were reports that apparently Russell Wilson came out and said that um, he's not happy with the fact that he had been hit so many times and the offensive line is just atrocious and so much more. And everybody's like, oh, Russ wants a trade out of Seattle. Let me just tell you something, folks. Now, I think Jeremy and I knew exactly what was happening with Seattle over the years. Okay. Seattle initially as a franchise never really had, you know, they never really had a big jump and a big push until Russell Wilson arrived. Now, listen, you can say what you want to about Matt Hasselbeck as the quarterback or Rick Meyer, or any of them. But they never had a big-time push the second that Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson was involved. And Russ, the second he got into Seattle, he changed the culture, changed the way things were ran, and of course proved a lot of people wrong. That he was capable of playing in this league, despite the size, despite the critics. He managed to play. But what's so interesting about Russell Wilson is that, and we'll get to it in a little bit, but Russ has devoted so much years to Seattle that without him, 
I think we all know the answer. Seattle's just irrelevant. Without Russ, Seattle's missing the playoffs. With Russell Wilson, Seattle's always in. And this is a player, a quarterback, who has to face Kyler Murray twice a year. Now he has to face Matthew Stafford after facing Jared Goff twice a year. And then, of course, has to face possibly Jimmy Garoppolo because there are some rumor buzzes about him. But this whole talk, because I mentioned about this, during the playoffs, he got sacked five times against the Rams. Was that really all something of Russell Wilson, or was that because Seattle, over the years, after the Super Bowl win and after the Super Bowl loss, they didn't build upon it? They didn't end up building more momentum where they could have won multiple Super Bowls. They could have had two. And I know a lot of people are like, well, if they gave the ball to Marshawn Lynch or if they did not pass the ball, there's so many of should have, would have, could have. I know that. Jeremy knows that. We all know that. But when it comes to Russell Wilson, he is devoted to it. And Russell made this known. And that's why Seattle paid the money for Russ to be there. Because ultimately, you and I know Russ is the franchise. He is the reason the franchise gets in the playoffs, is the reason the franchise wins playoff games, and initially gets into Super Bowl appearances because of Russ. Like they always say, let Russ cook. But what's the problem here is that the offensive line, after Max Unger, and Russell Okung, and a bunch of valuable pieces, this offensive line looks outdated. And it doesn't look good. Five sacks in that game against the Rams? I think initially the offensive line coach should be screaming at everybody on the line. I mean, that's exactly what I would have done because that's your franchise quarterback. You, gotta, you, gotta, you have got to protect him at all costs. And But now that this is getting out, Russ doesn't want to leave. So get that thought out of your head. Okay, don't believe in what mainstream media is trying to push out. This is precisely the reason why I never paid attention to mainstream media. Because they, they like to entertain the thought, oh, does Russ want to trade? Does Russ want to get out of Seattle? Oh, that's going to steer the pot a little bit. No. Russ is not going to leave that contract. Russ is not going to leave Seattle. And even if he did, then that would be an understanding terms. But the relationship that him and Pete Carroll have is undeniable. They're not going to leave that. And think about it. If Russ left the NFC West, then you have Matthew Stafford in Los Angeles that maybe he'll be the up-and-coming guy that would potentially win the division. Or you, whatever the case may be with San Francisco and Kyle Shanahan and with Jimmy Garoppolo, that's a potentiality too. Or maybe even Kyler Murray. But I guarantee you Russ is not going to end up leaving because there's so much competition that's there. And I've stated this before the season started. It's a competitive division. The NFC West got better. You really think Russ is going to end up leaving that? Knowing that he's got the potentialities where he's making the playoffs, he's making the playoff appearances, and he's winning games. The only thing Seattle would need to do is fix the offensive line, and that is what they need to address. I think they've been so... They've paid attention so much to the defense. And it's true. They don't have a pass rush. 
I thought after Carlos Dunlap, they fixed the problem. But they don't have a pass rush. And neither the secondaries are, are, are strengthened enough. So Seattle's got a lot on their plate. But I think the last thing that needs to happen is Russ leaving. Don't entertain the thought, guys. Because ultimately, mainstream media, they love to push out hot takes. You do this all the time. That's why you hardly, I hardly pay attention to mainstream media. Because all it is is it's entertaining the thought. And all it is is it's kind of creating that stigma. And it's creating that, that, that initial spark in people's heads to where now that gets out on social media. And all. Don't believe in it. Russ is not going to leave that contract. Neither is he going to end up leaving Pete Carroll in Seattle. But if it got to the point where things are bad as it is, which I haven't seen that yet, that's only just one problem. There's not like a million of them like Deshaun Watson's. I don't think it's going to be a, that. That's not going to be a, a, the possibility here. All you got to do is just fix the offensive line, and they'll be good. All right, so here's the second part because now there's two quarterbacks involved, uh, Deshaun Watson and Carson Wentz. So there are still reports with Deshaun Watson because right now Houston's just kind of pushing this whole thing of, oh, we're not going to trade Deshaun Watson. We're not going to do that. We're going to make it work. But do you really think Deshaun Watson really wants to play another down in Houston? I doubt it. He's going to end up making the move where he's going to sit out the year. Because if if you're going out to, to media and you're going out to all the publics and you're basically telling them, Deshaun Watson's not tradable. He's not, he's not getting traded. We're not trading him. Then all Deshaun Watson's going to end up doing now is he's going to have a lot of major pushback. And that's going to make things uncomfortable in Houston. I think that's initially what's going to happen. And in the end, you know, it, but again, Houston had to go through this. They have to go through this whole thing of implosion. Because initially they did this to themselves. They had no GM. They let a head coach in Bill O'Brien run things where he had too much power and he abused that power and look at where they are now. And there are a lot of different things happening. Deshaun wants out. J.J. Watt, I'm sure, wants out. There are a lot of people that want out. They don't want to be a part of this thing. But when they tell you with these new GMs and with these new front office guys, they're not going to trade Deshaun Watson. They're trying to make this thing work. It's hard to really kind of repair a relationship that's been broken. Think about it. We deal with that with a lot of people we come across. It's hard to get into a relationship with somebody that in a previous relationship, depending on depending on it, they've been through worse. And sometimes it's hard to really kind of fall back into that trust. Right now, the relationship with Houston, it's hard to fall back into that trust. Because right now, Deshaun Watson, he's probably going to end up sitting out the year until he gets moved and until he gets traded. And a lot of people are just like, like everybody's just like, grow up. All is it? Wouldn't you want something better? Like, I, I'm not saying I probably would be in that same boat, but I'd be like, look, don't expect me to end up doing any more work if this is not going to, if this is not going to pan out. I want out. I want out for good reasons. Then there's um, Carson Wentz, and there are rumored reports, so it's nailed down to two teams, the Colts and the Bears. I would love to see Carson Wentz with the Colts, and we do have um, one of our really good colleagues, EJ Bryan, who 
Um, covers up on the Colts, on the bench report. Check him out. But I really do think that this works for Carson Wentz because he's reunited with Frank Reich, the head coach, who was an offensive coordinator for the Eagles at one point. And he's got a healthy offensive line. He's got a defense. He's got weapons. He's got all of it. Why wouldn't you want Carson Wentz in Indianapolis? Then the other entertaining thought is Chicago. But what's interesting about Chicago, but what this is what's going to be harder. Okay, Carson Wentz came from Philadelphia, who the receivers were banged up left and right. They were dealing with plagues of injuries everywhere. It's unfortunate. It happens. And he had lawn chairs for wide receivers. And in one year where the pocket was protected, he was able to get into the playoffs. You go into Chicago, that is kind of in the point of they want to win, but they still have to rebuild pieces. And initially, listen, this thing with Mitch Trubisky, it's failed, okay? Mitch Trubisky is not that dynamic of a quarterback. I don't care what anybody says. But from what I was told and what what a probability for the trade for Carson Wentz for the Bears is reuniting Nick Foles in Philadelphia again. Then you got Terry Cohen in a first rounder. That's the offer I've heard so far. It's an interesting offer, but I don't even know if it's going to pan through. But initially, Carson Wentz is going to be dealt in the next couple of days. Maybe even dealt this weekend. But all I know is, is that with this whole quarterback carousel, it is, it is difficult to repair relationships. You saw what happened with Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz. You're seeing with what's happening in Houston with Deshaun Watson. You want to make this thing right. Do the right thing. Because initially, you're going to have an awful lot of pushback by both these quarterbacks. And I know a lot of people are like, well, Carson, like Carson didn't even want to teach Jalen Hurts. If I'm a quarterback getting paid that awful lot of money, why am I getting sacked is one thing. It ain't just about not teaching the kid. I think initially it was all pushed back in the front office and in the coaching staff. That's why they had to change coaches. But I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know how, how I'm going to feel about Philadelphia at the start of this year. Um, but when I watched Nick Sirianni's interview, oh Lord, it looked disastrous. I mean, the guy was nervous. The guy, you know, he was quaking in his boots. I don't even think he was prepared for what was going to be coming. And so initially he's going to have his hands full. You got to deal with two quarterbacks. Now, do you go with Wentz or do you go with Jalen hurts? That's going to be the toughest decision that he has to go through and the front office has to figure this out for Philadelphia. But all I know is I wouldn't be surprised if Deshaun Watson sits out the year and the two teams, Colts and bears. I seriously think the Colts would work with Carson Wentz, but if he goes to Chicago, they better put in a good word and they better build around Carson Wentz. If that's the case coming up next, um, we got some speculation trades um, happening around in baseball. And of course, you know, the Mets with Chris Bryant, you know, with the, with the Cubs, with Chris Bryant, they're trying to shop him around. Um, the Mets may be a potential deal. 
and we'll discuss a little bit about that coming up. Plus, we also do have our special guest, um, Michael Petty, that's going to be joining us here in a few minutes. Um, so stay tuned for that as well. Um, but yeah, and, and of course, too, uh, our best for last, we're actually going to be unboxing some cards here in a bit. And we're actually going to be showing off some signature cards as well. You guys do not want to end up missing that coming up here on the Snake Sports Talk Show. For all of our fantasy gurus out there, coast to coast, nationwide, you guys love fantasy sports and you guys love betting on it and you guys love winning cold, hard cash. Well, there is an app for that called Thrive Fantasy. And Thrive Fantasy has exactly all of the stuff you can ask for. And of course, um, there's pool plays. You can win up to 15 grand in pool plays. That's an NBA, NHL. You got baseball around the corner. And best of all, you got eSports. So definitely go on to the App Store or Google Play and download Thrive Fantasy. And when you do, when you sign up and you put in your $20 deposit, use promo code SS Network, short for Spotlight Sports Network. And you guys could get matched up to 50 bucks at first play. Sounds like a deal, right? And you guys could get all the fun play all the way around on thrivefantasy.com. Go and download it now today. Thrivefantasy.com. Promo code SS Network. So if you guys haven't done so already, well, we do have our merchandise online at SpotlightSportsGear.com. You guys can shop for hats, hoodies, t-shirts, so much more, even phone accessories and coffee mugs. We've got all of that here on the Spotlight Sports Gear. Shop for your favorite shows on the network and even support the network as a whole. Go on to SpotlightSportsGear.com and represent the Spotlight Sports Network all your favorite shows from here. All right. So, um, so of course, baseball season's around the corner. And we're going to be breaking all of that down here, especially even on, um, on the hot press. And one of those speculations, and, we, and I've been talking about this also as well uh, through and through, is uh, a potentiality of Chris Bryant getting moved from the Chicago Cubs. Now, initially... Uh, Chris Bryant was offered a contract that was over $200 million in full. But he turned that away. 
Chris Bryant is a heck of a player. And for me, born and raised here in Vegas, is a kid that went to school at Bonanza. Um, and he and he's talented. He's tall. Tall, talented, lanky. He, I mean, the guy, um, the guy's good. The guy's really good. And he was a guy that had a, a ton of potential. And so the speculation up on that because of the fact of he did not end up taking the contract with the Chicago Cubs now leaves potentiality that he's going to end up being moved uh, elsewhere. And the speculation is the New York Mets. The Mets are getting interesting. And there are a lot of teams in the National League that are bolstering up. You got the San Diego Padres that are the LA Dodgers, as usual, are trying to repeat back to back and they're trying to stay stable. The, the St. Louis Cardinals ended up getting Nolan Arenado. They're serious. And right now, the Mets have been making some serious moves. They got Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco, and they added in a few pieces. This is very interesting if they go and get Chris Bryant. And I think initially, because the one place that they're having some difficulty on is third base. And I mean, I, I really do love the setup with the Mets. I think they got a lot of real good, talented young players that are real good potentialities. Uh, one that we know for sure, Francisco Lindor has been in this league for, for a while, uh, but there are some up and coming stars. And then you have Pete Alonso at first base or, you know, at DH. So the Mets are something interesting and you have to think about the division that they're in. I mean, you got the Braves, You've got the Nationals with their pitching. Um, there's a bunch of teams, bunch of real good teams. Philadelphia. I mean, I, I I've always had questions about Philadelphia every time because they, they and they recently had re-signed. Um, they've re-signed JT Realmuto. And I thought it was the right thing to do for them because that is a catcher that has produced and he's also really good defensively. And the last thing they want to do is they want to end up they want to end up losing a guy there. So the Mets are something interesting. Now they did fix a, you know their rotation. Now they are without Noah Syndergaard, but hoping that they'll get him back sooner than later. They dealt away Steven Matz to end up um, adding in extra. They ended up adding up extra money uh, for the amount that they have. And then not to mention, <laughs> as we got all the cards coming up over here, we're going to showcase it up over here. My friend Jeremy. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I love it. Got that Bryce Har got that Bryce Harper card right there from me, huh? Yeah, this says uh, Harper and Segura channel inner concert. <laughs> ah, you talk about you the go. Phillies, yeah. Oh, you talk about the Phillies. There you go. Yeah, there you go. See, and we're all and we're unboxing some uh, some awesome cards here as well. And so, thanks to Jeremy up over here, we got a lot of you know we're showcasing all these big time cards. Hopefully, some signature ones that we're getting. But you know, it, it's really interesting, man. I mean. When I look at this with the Mets, because the Mets have been getting aggressive, and if they go and acquire Chris Bryant from the Cubs, I think they are getting a really good bat in the lineup. There's no doubt. Now, the question of it is, 
because initially I've always seen him as a third baseman. I think he was real good at third. Then they've utilized him uh, in out in the outfield. Um, but it, and of course too, that it's the injuries. It's the injuries that's the question. And if he gets traded away, would we see him potentially uh, his stock rising up? Maybe it's just a change of scenery. Because I, I just I just think he's still a remarkable player. I still do think there are some years in front of him that he'll have production. But hoping that these injuries, it's not going to brittle him. Because that'll be one thing that... I think that'll be one thing that'll be a complication for the Mets if they make this move. Well, I mean, and certainly if you're the Mets, you, you certainly hope you can get some production out of him. It just depends on what kind of they have... Uh, going forward for an entire game plan for their team uh, how because you know with 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 injury ridden players and veteran players like that you're typically a role player at that point in your career you know you got a little bit of i mean the the one of the examples i can really think of close to my heart i know there's probably gonna be a thousand others that everybody's gonna yell at me about but is when Jason Giambi came to Colorado, you know, uh, he was, he was more so used as like a utility player, a pinch hitter, mm-hmm. uh, just, just in a spot when they needed a really good power hit, you know, to, what's funny, get him through. It, you know, what's funny about Giambi. He was like Matt stairs. Correct me yeah. if I'm wrong. He was literally Matt stairs with the Phillies. They just had him come off the bench. And at times when he, when you needed a swing, there it was. Yeah, that's what it felt like to me when I looked at Giambi in in Colorado, because you think about it, he's got no room to play when you got Helton there at first. You got uh, Carlos Gonzalez, who's playing out in the outfield, and it's like there's no room for him. And and, and just like Brian is now, I mean, he was towards the end of his career. He was getting old. uh, He had had a lot of quite a bit of injuries um, up to that point. And, you know, he just it just depends on what the Mets have for their plans for everybody else because that will really ultimately define his position as to where he's going to fit in in the batting order and in on the field i mean this is i i hope the i I hope the mets you know it it would have been a lot easier to make this move had the major league baseball just stuck with the universal dh rule because it it would have been even that much easier because then they could, could just had him dh the whole time but for some reason or another they decided to go completely against it Right. And, and, and back on their word on it. Right. And, and you think about it because we, we, you know, especially when we look at the Cubs and how much depth that they had since the 16 World Series. I mean, Chris Bryant, uh, Wilson Contreras, um, you know, Kyle Schwarber, they had so much depth in there that if that universal DH was passed and they just utilized it, it really would have helped out all these National League teams. But now seeing Schwarber there in, in Washington and, you know, a bunch of the, you know, the, the, these teams nowadays, it's just like, I don't know. It, now it's just kind of slimmed the fact in the National League once again where it's, it's now starting to, you know, it's starting to challenge pitchers. It's starting to do all of this and that like it u- usually has been. But without these universal DHs in the National League, it's just kind of tough for some of these guys that, all they're really known for is just their bats. Yeah, I mean, and I don't, I, I don't like the whole making the baseballs heavier thing either. I don't, oh, I don't like that God. to purposefully take away hits and or take away home runs and everything. I mean, right? Honestly, like the like the, here's the, the thing. time we're we're gonna have the deflate gate in the NFL, but we're just gonna make the baseballs heavier in baseball. Like, 
<laughs> yeah, I didn't understand what it. I don't understand what all that was about because it's not like home runs are flying out of the ballpark like they were in the mid to right. late nineties. I don't understand that at all. Like, uh, as as a per like I I remember my time in Arizona when I briefly lived there. I went to go see a Diamondbacks Rockies game, and it was a pitcher's battle. It lasted like almost sixteen innings. I left in like the eleventh inning. There was no score. It was zero zero the whole way through. I was just like, this is boring. Right. It this wasn't. Is not bo- know, This is boring it, completely. Yeah, and you know what's funny? When I played baseball from the junior leagues to uh, to my high school, you know, and, and and I didn't play my senior year, I thought the whole point of BB core that we have on all of our on all the bats now, I thought that was the point. It was the point of making right. it, you know, competitive to where. Because listen, I have swung an aluminum bat before, and I've swung, you know, a lot of these these different bats, and yes, they did have jump on them. But their whole controversy was was making it challenging for high school, for collegiate players. And it's like, now we're making these balls heavier. What are we trying to do here? Are we trying to eliminate the home runs? And let me ask you, because it's like we talked about with the Hall of Fame in the last episode. But, and correct me if I'm wrong, but when McGuire and Bonds and when... um. Griffey and a lot of these guys were hitting home runs. That's what made baseball entertaining. And then all of a sudden now we're making the baseballs heavier. So it's like, are we not going to hit home runs now? Because everybody's figuring out this degree angle and, and you know, the, 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 you know, the launching angles and the pivoting of the foot. Yeah. Like what are we doing with baseball? It's like, this makes no sense. They're, They're making it more and more boring is what they're doing. And, and I have a feeling that this is going to be a decision that baseball is going to eventually regret because they're going to, they're going to see a very, I mean, they're already having trouble with their TV deals in in local markets. And then they're probably going to even see more of a decline in TV ratings as well. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't understand what's going on. Like I guess they just have this mentality because, you know, uh, because they can, you know, they're going to get their fans no matter what, because they're the only sport going on in summer. Right. That's 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 worth a damn. And I I just uh, that's just a really, really terrible mentality to have. I don't think that there's any longevity in that. And, you know, you're going to see a lot of I I guess I I understand that diehards are only a certain percentage of the fan base that makes them money. But you're going to see more of the people who care, who do this, who sit here and buy their cards and who, you know, really, really want to pump. Like, I don't understand why you wouldn't want to make more money. Like why you're just okay with just this like level, this just plateau of of money that you're guaranteed a year. I don't. Uh, why would you not want to make more? Why would you just because there's no salary cap and your your sport doesn't depend on it? I, I'm not why? entirely sure why this is this is a thing in Major League Baseball. But man, they they have really really been shafting the fans very terribly. At least the ones that care about baseball really why? really terribly over these last two years. They're probably one of the most poor sports that is handled this whole entire situation i don't i I just i don't see any positivity to come out of a situation like this at all i just don't yeah absolutely not and 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 of course too i had the comment here down uh with hammer house guys definitely check out jeff hammond aka hammer at hammer's house here on the spotlight sports network but he he mentioned a comment he's like don't put griffey in that category the other players he was clean and he had a great swing I'm not even talking about, you know, the steroid era. What I was talking about, because if you saw the documentary in 98, it was that home run challenge. 
and Griffey was like Griffey was hitting home runs at that time, but was not making the jump like Sammy Sosa and um and Mark McGuire was that year. You know, because that was what ultimately what it was about. It was Sosa and McGuire. That was that big home run jump. And that was the thing that entertained a lot of people. They're like, oh my God, is McGuire gonna pass the record? For the most home runs hit in a single season past Roger Maris at that year. And initially it happened. It's 70, you know, he hit 70 home runs. And then afterward, Barry Bonds ended up passing the record at 73. So, you know, and that's what made it wildly entertaining is because everybody glued to it because, like they say, chicks dig the long ball. They love that line. And they're just like, home runs apparently keep people in the seats. As they say, defense wins championships, offense sells tickets. I mean, I don't understand this whole argument of don't put him in the steroid era, whatever steroid. Era. Who who cares? I mean, right. how, how are you going to make this argument of steroid era? Don't put him in that category, dude. Everybody was doing it in the 90s. Baseball <laughs> knew about it. And you okay? know what? Actually, but everybody C-League, was doing it in the late 80s because think about it. You had Jose Canseco, who was the first person to even yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> Who, who's to say that that Roger Maris wasn't that they they, they didn't have some form of it then, yeah. you know? It, it, I don't I don't understand this whole like purist argument of like steroids or not steroids. If in my honest opinion, I'm probably in the very very low minority about this. I think steroids should stay in baseball. That was the most entertaining uh-huh. period of baseball I had ever seen in my entire life. I can honestly tell you, as a little boy about nine years old going to Coors Field in the 1998 home run derby with with thin air and oh steroided God. players up. They were literally hitting balls out into the parking lot, busting up cars out of the stadium over the scoreboard, hitting them third deck. You know how amazing that is to a little kid to watch? That's that's pretty – it was it blew my mind. I was like, whoa, he just hit that like 500 plus. Like it, it was, it was like the most entertaining thing I'd ever seen. And it was just a home run derby. I didn't even go to the all-star game. I didn't really care about the all-star game. I mean, obviously at that time, like Cal Ripken was on his uh, stuff, but <laughs> he was on his Iron Man streak, but I, I just don't care if a player was juiced or not, you know, yeah. like, like Barry Bonds steroids didn't make him hit you know, all it did was make the hit him, make him hit the ball farther. He still right, and I initially said that that ball. his bat speed, yeah, his bat speed was so fast that he was able like, to get the knob of the bat out there and the barrel was hitting and, it. And the pitchers were juiced. So it's an even playing field as far as I'm concerned. Like, yeah. I just don't understand this this whole thing. It's like, it, even if he didn't juice, if Barry Bonds was completely clean, he'd still be one of the greatest hitters of all time. Sure. Period. He'd still be a Hall of Famer. There's, yeah. there's no, there's, there's no, I, I just don't get Man, I don't understand this. Uh, if it, it, honestly, I'm probably in the minority people. Like I said, I, I'd rather watch steroids stay in baseball. I mean, these guys know the consequences of it. They know what they're doing. They know what they're putting in their bodies. They knew what yeah. there was going on. Let them. If they want to destroy their body, let them. It's going to make yeah. them have all the yeah. glory. I mean, it's their body. I, I understand that might sound reckless or it might sound carelessness or whatever for some. But if if, if the human wants to do that to their body, uh, that's their body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what I say, and, and think about it this way: because when you look at it with baseball, um, the th- the thing about it with baseball, and like you mentioned about it, because it's like, are they are they really just preventing themselves from making more money? Uh, you know, signing more TV deals and all this other broadcasts. I mean, look at some of the Fortune 500 companies we got around. You really think that? You know, um, uh, you really think that Amazon? And Tesla 
and a, and and a lot of these you know big time companies who've innovated and have changed the way that we really you know do marketing around in in America. You you know if you right. really think they would have stopped and would have said no this is this is our route it's been working successfully over the year. I doubt that because they want to be looking for something better. They want to be looking for something new. You know, and, and and that's initially what it should be. So I don't get it. it I, I don't like that argument by B. Al. It's a bad influence for children. Man, you want to know the stuff? Think about the time when you were a kid. Come on. Come on with that argument. It's bad influence for kids. When we were kids, we had sometimes had some bad influences, man. That's like saying, yeah. that's like saying like, Oh, if you cuss in front of your kids, they're going to go start cussing, too. I mean, I've heard kids call themselves way worse than what I'll ever say at school. I mean, I learned it. I was a kid at one point. I mean, a kid doesn't even know, understand the gratification. The kid doesn't even know or understand the whole mentality of steroids anyway. Mm -hmm. If you if you eliminate the whole part about it's cheating and you're just a kid doesn't know what steroids even means. Well, I don't understand right. that argument. If I went and, and asked my five-year-old right now, what are steroids? He'd be like, I don't know. Oh. Yeah, and initially, and I mean, initially, you know, when you think about it, because when they do, you know, when they start to do like in-depth research on it, I mean, ultimately, it, it is a choice. You know, it, it, it's exactly. a choice. We're not saying that you know, like they got to be on it. I mean, ultimately, it's a, it's no. a, you know, it's a choice for it. But you know, it, it, to me, I'm not a supporter of it for one, but you, you know, I, I'm just more of tr trying to find innovative ways that makes it better to where, you know, we're, we're, we're basically we're on the line where it's starting to grow. It's starting to innovate. And that's the one problem that, um, you know, with baseball, they're just apparently they don't seem to be getting it right. And it's like I mentioned about it. Get, let, you know, let the kids play. Let them showcase right. their stuff. And, and initially it's just continuously just a, a talking argument that's absolutely going nowhere. And that's yeah. That's Baseball better wake up. Yeah. They better it, wake it, they better do some serious soul searching here within this next season or within this next whatever, you know how many however many times it takes. I, I don't know. They gotta do something to change it up here because I, I I I'm more excited, like I'm more interested in like going into a hockey rink or going to an NBA game than I am going to a major league baseball game right now. I, yeah. I, I just don't have any interest in, in wanting to do that at all because it just, it's not piquing my interest at all. You got the softball rule of seven inning double header games, runners on second to start extra bases. All that's gimmick stuff, man. All that's yeah, gimmick it, stuff. It, if it, I want to watch seven inning double headers, I'll go down to the local ballpark and watch softball. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's just, it's it's not doing anything. I mean, and they, yeah, and ultimately, if you think about it, because when I ended up seeing that news and when I saw that that changed, um, you know, I was the type of person that I was just like, okay, think about it with hockey. We have our shootouts and we also have our overtimes, right? And I understand they're trying to make things faster and they're trying to make it to where it's like, okay, we could go home after three, you know, after three, three and a half hours because obviously everybody's got to get up for work at like, you know, 5 a.m. And you know they tried I mean? that with with the pitching timing changes and saying you only have so much time to do this and that. And I appreciate those efforts because it oh, was sure. getting to be pretty strenuous. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And and I don't I don't disagree with that at all. Like I I'm totally on with that. But when I look at this with the, the you know the, the 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 seven inning double headers and stuff like that, and then initially um, the runners starting at, at at second in extra innings. 
I understand that they're trying to, you know, pay, pretty much trying to, to fasten the pace of the game and everything else just to, you know, just to at least like close out the game. But this is one thing that I'm like, okay, if we did it in season, because listen, most of the time I'm not concerned with the season because ultimately if we're winning enough games to where we're punching our tickets into the postseason, that's what matters. So whatever goes on in the season, whether it's still this and that, that's fine. I mean, hockey, they're just like, you know, you have the shootouts and you have the overtimes. That's fine. But initially, I want to punch my ticket into the playoffs. I want to punch my ticket into the postseason. And, but the only hope is I don't see the runner at second in the postseason. Because at that point, where is, where's the pressure on that? Where is the challenge? That's the one thing that, like you see it in hockey, they don't have yeah. shootouts. They don't. They just have it in overtimes. They continuously battle until the best team the gets the scored. edge. Yeah, and, and that's initially where the pressure and the challenge comes from. But if they do this with baseball, with the postseason, yeah, I'd just be like, look, they they, they just made it easier. They made it absolutely easier. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not, I have no interest in even watching baseball at all. Like, usually I buy the, the MLB.TV package and I, I have some interest in some games. And you know, because, you know, offseason builds a lot of drama, there's new players in new places, but I, I just don't care right now. I, yeah. I don't like, I, I just don't care. <laughs> right. <laughs> All righty. Jeremy, Jeremy with the news. All right. Well, we got at least a few things coming up here up on the hot press. So of course uh, the news of it earlier was the trade that involved Andrew Benintendi that is going to be moving from the Boston Red Sox in the middle of a three-team trade that involved Mets and involved the Kansas City Royals. So the Kansas City Royals have acquired Andrew Benintendi um, from the Boston Red Sox. And I thought this was an interesting move because Boston now, after trading away Mookie Betts last year, which that was the most humongous trade that the Red Sox had ever done. And I didn't think... Boston was going to end up making that move because think about it. It's Mookie Betts. I mean, the kid, he's a five tool stud. The kid's fun to watch. He, he plays good defense. He has a great stick and he runs, he, he tears up the base. He does everything. And losing now Ben attendee. Um, I, I don't know what the, what the deal is with Boston and how they're going to do all like how they're basically going to deal with all this. Um, but I do know they still have some valuable pieces. Xander Bogarts, J.D. Martinez. Um, they still have some real good pieces. But I think initially they've lost some real good young players. And I feel like now without Bennett's Endy after losing Mookie Betts, I don't know what I'm going to see out of the Boston Red Sox this you know this upcoming season. Well, I mean, you've seen it with Boston before. I mean, a couple of times when they had their hot hot years and winning a World Series, it kind of cooled down for a bit. You know, they yeah. kind of went a two, three year period where they were just in that rebuilding period. I don't know if this is what that is. I don't know if it's just strictly salary dumping. I mean, they have one of the highest payrolls in baseball. You know, they're not short on money to spend on talent. I just they they may just be uh, trying to regroup and game plan here and try to figure out what it which direction this team's really going. Uh, right. Maybe trying to reassess some players because sometimes you know you need to take some time to reassess some some aging veterans. You know that right. you that you, that you think just to see where they're really at and how much more can they go, 
You know, yeah. it's, it, it, especially in baseball, the long gru- grueling game that baseball has been. It hasn't been these last two seasons, but, you know, it's it's a grinding it's a grinding game, not as much physically probably as the other three sports. But, you know, it's it's just it's a marathon. It's definitely not a sprint in that aspect. And I, I, I'm not entirely sure what Boston was really thinking about this, but, you know, we've seen this yeah. happen before. Perhaps this is another just, you know, kind of slowly blow it up and rebuild it type moment. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, and you know, and, and I just think that with Boston because they they like I said they still have some real good pieces, and the one I'm really excited to see make a jump is uh is um Michael Chavis. I think the kid's going to be really good because at the, at the end of the day, because we heard the announcement of the retirement for Dustin Pedroia, which congratulations to him, best of luck in retirement. But seeing what Michael Chavis can do now in a full season, that's going to be exciting to watch. I think the kid's got a really good bat. I think he's also another kid that. You can utilize on a lot of places on the field. You still do have Rafael Devers. Um, but I think what's going to be the question is outside of Chris Sale, and I think outside of um, of Rick Porcello will be the pitching. Because I'm not sure exactly how their pitching is really going to set themselves up for. Because if they, you know, if they don't have the potentials for pitching that's going to be one that's going to be Boston's downfall where they have another bad season. They're going to have to continuously give up more players. And I, I think, think about making some changes, but we've also seen Boston too at those times where their pitching rotation didn't look great to start out the year and they yep. figured it out in free agency and the trade deadline. Yeah. You know, we've also seen that you add a couple pieces here, add a couple pieces to that back into that bullpen and yeah. they were just fine. Uh, they, they, you know, they've always been to seem to be a, a team or a pitching staff that's just one to two solid pitchers away from being just fine and being able to to get into the playoffs. Right. What's going on, my city, my game? What's going on, Raider J? If you guys haven't already, definitely check him out here on the Spotlight Sports Network at My City, My Game, Raider J seventy seven for all of your Blazers and Raiders content. Speaking of uh, Raiders content, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. We just got some news of it that they plan to cut wide receiver uh, Tyrell Williams um, off the roster. Now, of course, there were a lot of speculations about Tyrell Williams because he signed the contract after um, after becoming a free agent with the Chargers a couple years back. And uh, initially, he had suffered an awful lot of injuries. He was just completely brittle and injury-prone. I thought he would have been a guy that could have been an interesting impact uh, on the deep ball. But uh, John Gruden, the Raiders coach, ended up saying Tyrell just couldn't, unfortunately, uh, stay healthy. Um, He could have potentially tried to play through it with a hardness. But when you have that much restricted movement, it's hard to catch the ball away from your body. He does make a point about that, and Tyrell Williams has suffered an awful lot of injuries since leaving the Chargers. Um, and again, I I was happy for him initially. I was very happy, you know, that he he took a contract, and you know, I, I'd love to see him play and ball out and everything else. But now, initially, it's like. You know what? I'm not sure because now there are reports that there could be a reunion for Tyrell Williams to come back to the Chargers, but I don't know. I feel like the because the wide receivers stacked for the Chargers, it would be very hard to be bringing a guy on unless they get rid of 
you know, a couple of small pieces or whatnot to even bring him in. But I just think that's unfortunate for Tyrell Williams. Injury brittle, and that was the decision the Raiders had to make. Well, yeah, I mean, you talk about a guy who hasn't played a game since 2019, really. I mean, he kind of pretty much sat out all of last season. And, you know, there it's getting time right now, you know, getting closer to the draft. You know, teams are thinking about maybe their future in certain aspects. So you got to dump salary where you can to, to make room for those draft picks and potentially trades. You know, Las Vegas is one of those teams that's just they're looking they're looking for a way to to get them over the hump. You know, they're they're a good team. They're a great, solid team, but they just they couldn't do what it needed to be done to get into the playoffs last year. And and yeah. they're 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 best believe with John Gruden at the helm, they paid him a hundred million dollars. He, he's gonna be searching for that piece. You know, yeah. John Gruden is no slouch when it comes to scouting and recruiting and 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 doing what needs to be done to fit the holes of his team. He right. he's done that his whole entire career. So I mean it, it probably just wasn't worth it for the Raiders to keep him on their on their salary for as injury prone and as as a history of injury as he's had. So I mean, and yeah, the Chargers too. I mean, they even held themselves accountable. They were disappointed in the, the the rookie class and wide receivers, and I think that's kind of something that's been very very controversial. But this is something where you know they're hoping that the wide receivers will step up, especially Henry Ruggs. Because I want to see Henry Ruggs really ball out. but And same with Brian Edwards and with a couple of them. But when you hold yourself that kind of accountability as a team, that tells you something. They yeah. really have to work in this wide receiver core. And I think this was the initial move that needed to happen because at the end of it, it's just dead money. Yeah, if I mean, good. they held you up on the field. That's dead money, and now they have to look elsewhere and hoping that you know the wide receivers will produce. So, um, so of course, some excitement uh, in Los Angeles as uh, Trevor Bauer was interviewed earlier after signing the initial contract with the LA Dodgers for three years, 102. Bauer is committed to do better after the whole social media co uh, controversy. And this was the interview that he gave out uh, since being introduced and welcomed to the Dodgers and what the expectations are. I make mistakes in the past. Um, I try to learn from them. I try to learn as quickly as I possibly can. I try to understand other people's viewpoints on things and be better in the future. Um, I think if you look at uh, that my history is as a baseball player, my history on social media, my history as a person, for those who know me well, um, they'll see that. I apply that process to everything that I do. I'm committed to doing that moving forward as well. And ultimately, I'm here to be a positive impact on anyone that I can be, um, both in the community, in the clubhouse, on the field, at the stadium, whatever the case is. So I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to win with this with this group. I'm excited to interact with the Dodger fans and, uh, and the community of L.A. I grew up here. I've been a long time. Uh, you know, I, I spent 20 years here before I, uh, you know, signed professionally. I've, my parents are still here. I'm member of the community i still consider myself a member of the community and i look forward to having a positive impact on the community so it seems like i mean because ultimately and i've got our special guest uh jeff uh jeff hammond aka hammer that's going to be joining me here in a second but um i think initially you know with with trevor bauer because we know what the type of person he is he's the kind of guy that like he is on media and he likes to speak his opinion and everything else. But at the same time, when you tamper with, you know, the, the, these jersey slops and all this other stuff, like sometimes it can be controversial. 
And these were a lot of teams that were interested in Trevor Bauer at the time, and including the Mets. So, I mean, you go back home where you went to college at UCLA, and you're hoping you you're hoping you put this whole controversy behind you for one, and you're reshaping you'd be better. But I think this is going to be a hell of a season. But it'll be very interesting in retrospect about how Bauer is really going to deal with this. Well, I mean, yeah, and that, that's all you can really do when you get yourself tangled up in a mess like that is just do everything you can to make sure that, you know, it's pretty much gone away as fast as it can be. I mean, you got a new scene, new start. The rich get richer. The L.A. Dodgers, you know, they get another really quality, good, good pitcher to add to that already stellar rotation. I mean, you know, yeah. he's he sounds like he's, you know, willing to just put that all behind him and move on. And uh, that's, that's those are a lot of things that a trade can do for you. So, yeah, yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll be very interesting to see how this season pans out for him. But best of luck to him in Los Angeles. Jeremy Case with the news. So joining me here as, of course, he had to get some stuff off of his chest. And, of course, he is the guy that you go to his house when you love Mets and Raiders content all the way up from the Bronx via the Global Satellite Network presented by StreamYard, Jeff Hammond, a.k.a. Hammer of Hammer's House. So, of course, <laughs> it's like there's always content happening for the Mets lately, and I love the aggressiveness that they're getting into, but... I'd like to hear your opinion with uh, before we get into the Chris Bryant thing with what your thoughts was up on Trevor Bauer with, you know, obviously with the controversy with, you know, the Jersey swaps and the, the, the all of this and that. I mean, this is feels like it's going to be pressurous for him for this next up and coming season. Am I right? Is, is this a family show or can I really tell people how it is right now? I mean, Tell it how it is. I'd much rather have realists in my ch in my chats and everything else. <laughs> Bauer pulled a bitch move. Point <laughs> blank, period. Is Agent Rachel Luba your jackass as well? That video, that two minute and 27 video of you, sh them showing all these teams that were interested and them stitching his name on the back of these jerseys to just be like, oh, I'm a Dodger now. Yay. That was the most classless bullshit I've ever seen. You had all these teams on pins and needles. We knew at the end it was going to come down to the Dodgers and the Mets. I knew in my heart, he's from SoCal. He played at UCLA. Yep. Okay, cool. He's most likely going to be a Dodger. I'm not going to be mad at it. Whatever. But the fact that he had to go and do this little stupid media stunt for it, for the attention, like, bro, really? And now you, you're in your press conference today pretty much just trying to please everybody so people yeah. don't look at yeah. you as a certified jackass. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. Like this whole off season. Yeah. We got Steve Cohen. He got the team um, back in the fall, which feels almost like a whole season ago. Um, they got McCann. They got Carrasco and Lindor in that amazing trade. Um, they got, they just got the kid from, um, Chicago, like a week ago, they missed out on Brad hand. Uh, I guess we got a bad hand out of that one. And, yeah. uh, we're back in the loop with signing Aaron loop from Tampa Springer flew North to Toronto on a six year, $150 million deal. And now this garbage, I do like to trade the, uh, the three-way trade that happened last night between the Royals, the Red Sox 
and the Mets. Khalil Green is a good talent um, in the minor league system right now. And a lot of people were already all over social media, like, what are they doing? Da, 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 da. What the Mets did, and it was a very smart move, they are trying to rebuild their farm system. That farm system has been non-existent for the last couple of years. So they're trying to build up that farm system and hopefully grow the organization from, from the kids below. I have no problem with that whatsoever. Jackie Bradley's still out there. I don't know what the chances are of them trying to sign him now. He wants to be an everyday starter. Chris Bryant, I'm on board for. There's also reports out there now that the Mets are also interested in third baseman Matt Chapman from the Oakland A's. That would be another one that could be a solid pickup. Yeah. And apparently, uh, just a few days ago, there were talks between the Mets and uh, um, reuniting with Justin Turner. But they they can't seem to come to a, uh, a deal. I said it a few weeks ago, and it seems to be the case still. Turner wants a four-year deal. JT and I are the same age. We played together. Uh, we did rookie ball together in Sarasota. I don't see that happening. He's going to be 38 on the tail end of that contract. So I can see yeah. why they're not – the Mets are not seeing eye-to-eye with him on that right now. So it's either going to be – Toronto or he'll go back to the Dodgers. And it was like I mentioned and I was like I mentioned about Justin Turner because that's a risk because who knows what changes we might see in Justin Turner if we'll ever see that same consistent um production. You know, yep. and then not to mention too, I mean, he's a guy too, like personally, and you've known him, was he takes it hard on himself defensively. He does. That's the one yep. thing he he did hold himself accountable for. When he doesn't make a defensive play, he takes it hard on himself. Offense is offense, but yeah, I I mean that. But that's see, that's the fear. You give him a four year contract and you have that money. Who knows if you get two? If I get three years of real good production out of him, I could be okay with it. But if I'm getting one year, if not a it's year, not worth half, it. No, it's not worth it. No, that just becomes ultimately dead money, and now you're kind of stuck. Now you have to trade away. You know, you have to make a trade and everything else, and it's like eh. we like, don't want to. We that that's the thing with with the new regime with Steve Steve Cohen as a new owner. Like they don't want to go and see the movie that they saw uh, before with Fred and uh, Jeff Coupon. Yeah, I called him Coupon. I don't care. Um, and doing these stupid bargains and making ridiculous moves for the wrong for the wrong reasons, like. They're also looking to shop right now. They're looking to probably bring back uh, Wilson in the bullpen and potentially they want, they need more lefties because we're too right heavy right now. They're looking to deal off uh, Dellen Patances, Juris Familia, and potentially uh, JD Davis. I, I see if the trade with Bryant goes through, I see it's probably going to be JD Davis and Familia going to Chicago, most likely. And, and that was going to be my thought, too. Uh, Jeff Hammond, a.k.a. Hammer, here joining me on the Spotlight Sports Network. Um, with this Chris Bryant trade, because I, I'm hoping, and I know a lot of people have been talking about this. He's injury brittled. He's, you know, he, he's, he, he's, he has such good production. I've seen him do it so, so many times. But the fact that he right. can't stay healthy on the field. But the other thing is utilizing him so much, like, you know, because he, he comes up as a third baseman. I thought he was good. And then, of course, they use him for outfield. So if in transition that the Mets end up getting Chris Bryant, is that going to be a potentiality that they put him at third? Or what would be the potential They're idea? putting him at third base. 
They'll put him at third base. They're going to put him at third base. I right, so and it's funny that you're mentioning it in regards to Chris Bryant because the Mets did the same exact thing with Jeff McNeil. Jeff McNeil came out of the minor right. league system as a second baseman, and yep. they moved him to the outfield as a result of them in that ridiculous trade for Robinson Cano, which to me was like, oh, you guys want to end with uh, you wanted Diaz, but you took Cano as well for what? Like McNeil, I saw the kid when he first came up, and I fell in love with him instantly. Like, he is currently one of my favorite Mets right now. The kid can hit. He's a special talent. And as a second baseman, I think he's great defensively. But it's pretty much Chris Bryant has gone through the same thing with Chicago. I think if the trade does go through, and there's other trades that have been talked about out there with the Mets trying to get a third baseman. And the other one was trading for from Cincinnati for Suarez and uh, Sonny Gray, which I'm like – we are not bringing Sonny Gray near a New York ballpark ever again. Like, I do not need to see. No. Uh, he got obliterated when he was with the Yankees. It'll be the yep. same thing again. Like, but I do, from a standpoint, understand what they're trying to do, but it's almost equivalent to them with how they moved to get Diaz and ended up with Cano as well. You don't want somebody that's going to hurt the team and prevent us from getting wins. And, um, with what you guys had said before with the Red Sox, you're not sure what they're doing right now. They're clearly rebuilding. Betts is gone. Benatendi's gone. Bradley's gone. They are looking most definitely they're in a rebuilding process right now. And it sucks to say it. I hate using that term when it comes to professional sports, but they're clearly rebuilding right now. And yeah, hopefully I, it's for the, I hope it's for the better for them, but I, I'm just like, Oh Lord, here we go. Yeah, that's what you would hope. I mean, that that's honestly what you would hope if it's, you know, if it's Boston because we we have seen this this same charade multiple times with the Red Sox. There are time you know, it's funny and and it always happens because they're if you're not last, you're first and if you're not first, you're last. That's always Tell them, Bobby. Yeah, right? It, that's always the part. That's always the part that that lives and breathes with um with Boston. And I don't know how they'll figure this thing out, but like I said, they still have valuable pieces in Michael Chavis, uh, Rafael Devers, JD Martinez, and of course, Xander Bogarts. They still have some offensive production, but now it's going to be interesting to see how the outfield really shapes up because now that's, that's all three of the tandems gone. And, and, and now it's like, how are we even going to see how they will do defensively in the outfield? I'll tell you one thing, you're going to you're going to be looking at the AL East this year and the Orioles and the Boston Red Sox will be the teams at the bottom of the of the bin. I'll tell you right now, you're looking at most likely to come out on top of that division is probably the Tampa Bay Rays. Mm-hmm. Second place, you're going to call me crazy for it. I think the Blue Jays are going to end up being second in that division and then the Yankees. Oh man, after what the Yankees did recently, after getting so, James James Tyon and and a bunch of arms and that and that pitching rotation. And Kluber, they wow. got Kluber. They re-signed Lemayu. Wow. Yeah, but we're playing a full se- season this year, right? Yeah. How long is how long is Stanton? How long is Judge going to stay healthy for this year? They played. They were supposed to play sixty games last year and couldn't stay healthy the whole damn season. <laughs> and Gary true. Sanchez, Gary Sanchez, <laughs> bruh, bruh. The only person really that you could you could really rely on for health and for production apparently seems to be Gio Urshela. That's it. 
Uh, but I mean, back so- to the. Hold on, back to the Red Sox real quick, though. We've also seen them do that, too, in between World Series. Well, they'll keep veterans, a few veterans around, and then they'll just reload until they're done reloading on talent, and then they reload up. And that way, by the time they get back up and running again, they got the veteran leadership they need on uh, both offense and defense, and they got a bunch of young guys behind it to support it. How so, how, so how, long, how long do you think it's going to take for them to be back at the top of the mountain again, realistically? <laughs> I don't know. There's really no saying. I mean, I, I really don't like follow them a lot, I feel, but I just I feel know like that it, between those two World Series, they they kept Ortiz around. They kept they kept a few veteran players around right up until they reloaded on that talent and waited yeah. for the farm system to pan out, and it it helped them. Right, and I and I ultimately think I think realistically, I'd say they probably because let's just say this that whatever talent comes out of there and their farm system. I'd usually always gave it like two, three years at best just to be on the safe side. That's what I was thinking too. If they continue to have a bad season again, and this is a drop, this is a dropping trend, they're going to lose Martinez. They're going to lose a couple of these guys. And I feel like from a two, three year stretch might turn into something that's five, six years because they now have to reload and they have to rebuild and, and now have to start from scratch again. Cora came back as their manager, right? They rehired yep. him, didn't they? Yep. yep. Yeah, they'll be fine. <laughs> I don't have anything. I don't have anything. No, like, I'm not against it. I'm just like, <laughs> is this, maybe it might work out in two or three years. Maybe. <laughs> I, I don't know. But They'll find hmm. a new system. Yeah, they, 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 might find, they might find a new system, but we'll God see. God damn but. it. But uh, real quick, kind of shifting to uh, to football, because, of course, you know, you covered up on a lot of the Raiders contents and stuff like that. So I thought it was interesting. And at the same time, we talked about it earlier with the releasing of Tyrell Williams. Of course, it's something where Tyrell Williams is injury riddled. But at the same time, they mentioned about it, and I think they held themselves accountable. The wide receiver class, the rookie ones, was not great. And it struggled. So in your opinion, because now that they got rid of Williams, that's now Mm going to be extra money that's now that they're going to conserve and they're going to start to build upon. Is this something you hope by sophomore season for all these guys, Brian Edwards, Henry Ruggs, and someone, are the Raiders going to do, like, are are the Raiders going to have something in the cards where they're going to have to revamp this wide receiver core and make it better than what the expectation was last year? So one, they didn't use Brian Edwards that much. He was um, somewhat injury prone at the start of the season. They did not have him in a rotation with the rest of the receivers throughout the rest of the season. And you saw little little flashes of him towards the end, which I, I said it when they drafted him. He's a big body receiver. He could make he could make for a good wideout. Dude's got to stay healthy and get more reps. Um, yeah. Tyrell Williams, I never wanted him in the first place. I knew that this was going to happen come the come the end of the season, come the offseason. He was going to be cut to save cap. Um, dude had feet for hands. Another one that couldn't stay healthy for his life. I'm glad he's gone. You know what? It frees up cap space. Maybe we could look to try to re-sign Nelly on probably a deal that's similar to what, um, to what Williams was getting. And that was like a four-year... Forty-four and a half million dollar deal with like what was it twenty 
2.4 guaranteed. Give yeah. give him a deal like that, and I'd be fine with it. Other people are talking about, oh, Juju's a free agent. Let's get Juju. Oh, I don't know about that. I'm not trying to see him doing TikTok dances anywhere anymore. Gruden's not going to deal with that. Nah, he definitely won't. And with rugs, bro, you you need to get your weight up. You need to learn. You need to learn a sense of ball security. Stop fumbling the damn ball and just man up. Get your weight up. You can keep your crackhead speed four point two, whatever it is. But um, you gotta get. You gotta hit the gym, bro. You gotta hit the gym. I think. I think going into the sophomore year, we should have a. We should have. Hopefully, a turnaround for those receivers. You still got Waller there. You still got Renfro there. But we're gonna need a solid number one receiver. Ruggs needs to step up to the plate, even if he's in the slot. I don't care. But we're gonna need. We're gonna have to look in the draft class, or we're gonna have to look in free agency for a solid number one. Defense. I went on my rant the other night, and I'm gonna keep saying it. <clears throat> Defense wins championships. Defense wins championships. Defense wins championships. You gave up nearly 30 points. You gave up nearly 30 points a game. Two straight weeks, you totaled over 400 rushing yards against the Falcons and the Jets and barely beat the Jets. Out of sheer luck, and Greg Williams' dumbass calling a cover zero, you guys beat the Jets. Yep. Like, the defense needs to be turned around. Look into um, signing Leonard Williams as a defensive tackle. Gus Bradley's in there. Maybe he can create a Legion of Boom 3.0. A lot of things, draft, free agency, it's going to start with that defense this year. I don't want to hear any more of this car trade garbage. I don't want to hear about car for Watson. Carr was in the top 10 of almost every single category as a quarterback this past season. That's right. Yeah, he had a tendency, he had a tendency of turning over the ball a lot towards more or less towards the end of the season, but it's, I'm not putting him, I'm not holding him accountable for every friggin' thing that they did wrong this year. And that's what all these so-called fans, guys that have not put on a pair of shoulder pads or a helmet a day in their life, sit there, the fanboy fuckboy crew, that's what they do. Until yeah. you truly understand the game, stop with the bullshit. Stop, stop with this, oh, it's all car, car's fault. Oh, garbage, car wreck, blah, 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 blah. It's a fucking joke. The defense has to step up. Gruden needs to stop staying in his ways with this old-school West Coast short-passing game offense. The defense, oh, I want to stay in a 4-3. Gus Bradley needs to put his foot down and say, fuck you, I'm running the defense my way. We're going to do it the right way, and things are going to come come through with that. Point-blank period. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, that's the only thing that you can hope for for the Raiders, man, because, yeah, defense – absolutely is one that they, they they need to be held accountable for themselves. And I think that's initially where Gus Bradley comes into play, you know, and I've, again, I've seen Gus Bradley work his magic with the chargers when everybody was healthy. And that was a team that was top three, you know, and that's one that it could really turn around. It could really transition, but it, I mean, if they don't get this thing right with this defense, I mean, yeah, that's where everything's just going to start to kind of crumble, you know, and that, and that's, Initially, what the you know the fans and the Raiders don't want to happen. They want to stay competitive. They need to fix that defense up in order for them to win these 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 games that they've initially lost. That secondary was abysmal as hell. Damon Arnett played like not even half of, of the season because he was always getting hurt, always getting these concussions. I I'm gonna keep saying it, and it's like beating my head against the wall. Like 
Dude, NFL stands for not for long. You keep doing this helmet-to-helmet shit, you're not going to make it past your rookie contract. Right. Jonathan Abram, his second year in the league, and this was technically considered his rookie year because he missed all of his real rookie season, he's another one that needs to get his his mind right and stop with the stupid aggressive behavior and stop Mm -hmm. with the stupid penalties. Defensive as a whole needs to stop with the stupid penalties. The linebacking core, it needs to be retooled one way or another. I know Gruden is probably going to get his ass in trouble for that whole tampering thing not too long ago with Sherman. But you know what? I wouldn't mind giving him maybe a one-year deal and trying to work alongside the rest of those guys in the secondary and try to build them up and mentor them like one way or another. But we have to see how this goes. Like I'm going to start doing a couple of mock drafts. I'll probably start doing more research this coming weekend and start doing some mock drafts and probably start putting some stuff out, whether it be in through our channel or um, my new podcast on Anchor FM. But I'm going to start putting some stuff out there and um, just getting you guys ready for for free agency and getting ready for this coming NFL draft, which we are what two months away from now, two yep. months, two, two months, two months away. Months from, away. So. Yep. Yep. It's, it's going to be coming in quick. <clears throat> and Charles, listen, I know you, you probably, you were probably late for this stream, but Russell Wilson is not going anywhere. He's not, he, he is Seattle's franchise. Like he is literally the franchise of Seattle. Like, he's not going anywhere. All they need to do is just fix the offensive line. It, if you really think he's going to end up getting traded, you're out of your mind. Come on. Don't even believe and mainstream media. All they do is they push this this, this stuff. I'm like, come on. Let, let's stop. Let's be real about this. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, Charles, I've been play- I played football since I was three years old. Pop Warner, middle school, high school. I had an opportunity to try out for an arena team. I had an opportunity to try out for the Tampa Bay Bucks. Ages ago, I played semi-pro football for seven years. I stopped playing four years ago. Don't ask stupid questions like that, bro. Nope, don't even do it. Don't, I coached yeah, we, as well. Yeah. I coached high school football as well. I know my shit, so don't do that. Yeah, we got no time for irrelevancy. I, I think with the Russell situation. With the Wilson uh, situation, more than anything, I think it was just more of like, him jockeying for a position to basically want to have more pull and say so over what he what he wants to see with that offense and that offensive line more yeah. than it was just a I'm unhappy here type situation. I don't think it was like a Deshaun Watson situation at all. No, absolutely not because the the relationship between Pete Carroll and him are are still good. It's solid. That's yeah. not the it's problem. Just- it's just the fact that he's almost died almost a thousand times on the field because of his offensive line not protecting his ass. Yeah, sa- yeah sacked five times against the Rams. But he got, he's he's been sacked almost four hundred times in his entire career. Yeah, that's and this scary. Is the guy that still manages to be on the field—that's the crazy thing. And 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 healthy for the most part and upright. It's it's crazy. Yeah, and real and real quick. Yeah, and real quick, we do have at least a couple of questions um, from B. L. Are the Mets getting into the luxury tax? Yeah, they're close. They're close. They're very close. But you know what? I don't think – I know that Stephen Cohen said it in the presser, and apparently there were also reports out there that he told the other owners when they went to vote him in or not as an owner, he more or less promised them that he was not going to go past the luxury tax threshold in his first year. Right. So right. I'm not sh- I'm not 100% sure on how true that really is. But if that's the case, let him do what he's doing right now. If they don't hit the luxury tax, then cool. Then next year he can 
just go rampant and do what he wants to do. Right. I'm with it. Yeah, and think about the the aggressiveness that he's already putting on with as far as these trades, these signings, and everything else because he wants. It, it, he's making this he's making this whole Mets group competitive, and I think that's yep. initially what's happening. Um, Damn, but I'm gonna get in we'll, so much trouble. Oh, I know. Uh, real quick, because uh, this is basically on the basketball side of things. But do you, one question is: Do you think the Mavs should consider trading Bobin to Denver for Bull Bull, or would you rather see both these guys on the same court? That's interesting. I mean, if you look at Bobin, Bobin is, yeah, he, he's a valuable player, but at the same time, look at what happened with Philly. Philly had so much size. Now, I'm not sure how that's going to end up working, but I mean, I think they're both real good kids. Bull Bull is just an up and coming player. Uh, but Bobin, we've seen him play multiple times, and he has had tendencies where it, he's had some real good. He's had some real good stuff. We've seen it in the playoffs last year. Last year. We'll I mean, I can you guys still hear? Can you guys oh, yeah. still hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like struggling right now. I actually should have been back inside like in seven minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, no worries, man. Um, but. Yeah, if well, Bobo's just too unproven. Yeah, he really he, is. Yeah, it's true. I mean, like I said, I mean, he's a guy that's still developing. He's still trying to make his way because think about it. I mean, his dad had played for years. So I don't care I what mean, Shaq says about him. Nah. I mean, this kid, this kid is still on the developing side of things, and hopefully he'll he'll develop he'll develop well, but it is still going to take some time. But um, how how will the how Royals will the Royals, Royals be this year? Listen, I think the Royals, they picked up some good pieces, but they're still missing some links. The starting rotation right now is they, they need to bolster that. They need to bolster that rotation. I think the other thing is, too, I mean, you still do have Whit Merrifield. You've got Bennett's Endy. Carlos Santana, here's the thing. Um, I mean, he's, a, he's, a, he's an old veteran. I don't know how much he has really left in the tank, but he could still Sorry. produce in some ways. But and at Wade the same Davis. time, you got yeah, yeah. Wade of listen, the reason they had to bring Wade Davis in that's a retirement contract, right? Like it is a retirement contract that? because yeah, it never it worked, worked anywhere. anywhere. Like he, like he, he didn't he, work with the Cubs. He didn't he work with the Rockies. Which I was really hoping he'd be successful with Colorado. Colorado. But I think this is initially the but reason I, why they had to bring him back to Kansas City because only he worked in Kansas City. The reason why they else. had to bring him back yeah. to Kansas City because. And that, that, yeah, but I think the Dick, Royals. I gotta get back inside, bro. All righty, uh, but but real fast, where can people? As find usual, you? is always fun. I gotta get going. Absolutely, man. Appreciate you, Hammer. So of course, as of course with the quick uh, with the quick change and everything else, you guys can definitely check out uh, Hammer at Hammer's house here. I have the link down below um, in the chats and in the comments. I mean, we got a lot of really good stuff. I mean, he's absolutely right. I mean, the the fact that um, I mean the Mets are getting aggressive for a reason, regardless of the, you know the, the, the this luxury threshold and all this other stuff. The Mets want to be aggressive. They no longer want to be like that back in the tail end in New York where, you know, you you have the Yankees and the Yankees of course they care less about the about the the, the luxury tax. I well, mean, yeah, as long I mean, as they, they have one of the yeah. highest payrolls in baseball. Exactly. They don't, they don't need to. Exactly. And that and that's a part that just like, you know, they've been um, buying championships for decades. Right. And and it's so funny because he mentions that about Jeff McNeil because I did watch 
Michael Conforto, Brandon Nimmo, and a couple of other young stars. And these guys are they're competitive. These are guys that are willing to really step up in the lineup and um, make big time production. Um, but I, I think, yeah, if, if you bring Chris Bryant in the middle of it and he plays up at third base, which is a guarantee, then at least that at least that's one good start. He has a guaranteed spot, and it's going to be third base. Well, and about, I think it's it's about time too for the Mets. No, it's, it's no about kidding. time. No, it's kidding. about time they got they started getting serious and. You know, uh, they I, I believe they ran the old owners out. They were caught up in some Ponzi scheme or something. It was just terrible, terrible stuff. But it's about time that they give upstate New York what they've been craving for basically since the days of of of, of Doc Gooden, you know. Oh, my God. Even the day. Yeah. Doc Gooden, Gary Carter, uh, you know, uh, Daryl Strawberry uh, or think about Mookie it this Wilson. way. Even the even the days of when you had Mike Piazza and Al Leiter and you and you had a bunch of real good guys at that time, you know. So this is this is a different jump. David you know? Wright. So, yep, David Wright as well, and and he's absolutely right about the Raiders when it comes to because yeah, the defense has to be held accountable for this stuff. You know, and that and that's initially yeah. what 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 it's all about. But at the same time, yeah, these wide receivers have to step up. They need to be healthy, and Henry Ruggs just needs to get better at his game, and he needs to strengthen up because. You can't have this type of play style knowing that you got Kansas City who utilizes Tyreek Hill all the time. Um, and, and there's a lot of these small wide receivers. You could utilize them, but that's where they, they really need to make this initial change. But uh, we've, I've been looking here up on the comments trying to. <laughs> Real quick, it. though, I just want to shout out like congratulations to the city of Tampa Bay. What a hell of a year they've had, right? I mean, yeah. Lightning win the Stanley Cup. Rays make the World Series, and then the Bucks just win the Super Bowl. I mean, that's one hell of a year for a sports town. Had that been any other like major market in America, um, they're talking about is this title town now? Like, is this you know is this the next? But it's it's Tampa. That's I. It's ta- it's Tampa. They're, listen, there. When I think of title town, I mean you and I. We've been used to it. Title town would either be New York or. Boston. Los Angeles or it'd be Boston. Those are initially title towns. I mean, listen, the run with the Cowboys in Texas. I mean, Dallas only won one Stanley Cup. And then, yeah, yeah. you know, and that was it. Stay competitive got for a few years afterwards, but yeah. Right. And then you have Dallas, you know, the Mavericks where they've won two NBA finals with Dirk Nowitzki. And then afterward, right. now I'm not, I, I will say this, that I, I love Luka Doncic. I think he's going to be the absolute difference maker in this franchise. And I said this, he'll be MVP, and I do think he will lead the team to winning potentially a championship. As long as they put the right pieces, because I love that they put in Chris uh, Tapps Persingas. I hope he stays healthy. Um, and Tim Hardaway Jr. I loved watching Tim Hardaway Jr. in last year's playoffs. I thought, yeah. and it, it was unfortunate with Seth Curry going to Philadelphia, but at the same time, I thought he stepped up in a big way. You know, he Doncic goes down on a slight injury, and at the same time, he put up the amount of points and with the amount of minutes that he had on the floor, I thought it was good. I, I thought he was really good. Yeah, I mean, uh, him next to Nikola Jokic are probably the two of the best players in the entire league right now. I mean, obviously, with, with the exception of LeBron James and all that, but I mean, yeah, it, it, uh, he's probably the best thing to happen to that franchise since probably since Novinsky, really. Okay, wait a minute. Charles, when, 
when when <laughs> let me just let me just break it let me just break this down to you very listen i'm gonna be the surgeon here okay and this is gonna be death by five thousand cuts okay and i hope you're ready for this because listen the phoenix suns had the opportunity steve nash amari stoudemire they had pieces what the hell they couldn't even do anything with that and even that shack at one point and then listen the arizona diamondbacks after the championship in 2001, they didn't really build upon it. And you lost Paul Goldschmidt. You lost J.D. Martinez. You lost a lot of really good rotation guys. Let's I don't see that. That one World Series was that, that was just a lucky hit. It wouldn't matter the most. But I will say, Luis Gonzalez. It, but, uh, but I will say that was that was the most thrilling and exciting World Series I've ever watched. I, I mean, I, they had the rotation to compete with the Yankees. I, I won't, yeah. I won't, you know, they, they had Johnson and, and Schilling and, you know, they had the arms to compete with New York, but what it really boiled down to was just one, right. one bad pitch that, that basically ended it all. Right. And, and, and then you got the Arizona coyotes. Like, listen, they got rid of a lot of people. And if you really think Phil Kessel is going to lead the charge with the coyotes, you're going to be sadly mistaken. There that are too team is many a, young young kids that are developing right now. That team is in a cap hell, thanks to John Chica with what <laughs> he did to that team. Yes. they 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 are they are going to be reveling for that for a while. It's he left them in a bad bad way in multiple multiple ways. Like they're right. going to have to unravel that that spool ten ways to Sunday before they even get close to even thinking about competing again. And by the way, if you don't know Charles here, uh, Jeremy, because this guy, he loves to rant and rave about Darcy, Com uh, Darcy Kemper. He loves to rant. I mean, and rave Darcy Kemper is a solid goalie. There's, he no, is there's, a solid, there's yeah. no denying okay. that. Yeah. But is he like going to win the Vesna? Probably not, you yeah. know, but yeah. he, he is a good solid. The problem is the Coyotes, they, they ask him to stand on his head way too much and they don't, they don't have the talent to back it. They just nope. don't. They don't. They really don't. There's a lot of amazing goalies that are on really not so good teams. I mean, Holtby just went to the Canucks and they're terrible. terrible. Oh God, the the Canucks are. At, I knew this was going to unravel for Vancouver. I really did because listen, oh, last yeah. year and the run that they had, they did. Look, Thatcher Demko. Okay, he had a momentum. Okay, lost let's too many just pieces. Yeah, they lost way too many key pieces. And by the way, I mean, I, I do like Quinn Hughes. I really do. And I think he's going to be a really good kid for the next couple of years. But defense is going to... Yeah, and, and defense is going to hold them accountable because they have a lot of real good offensive pieces with JT Miller, Brock Besser, uh, uh, Bo Horvat. Lewis Hoaglander. Yep. They've got... And, and they... Elias Pedersen. Yep. Elias Pedersen. Yeah. They got a lot of these guys. But again... Like we mentioned, defense sometimes does win you championships when you need it. And and initially, you got to have the guys that are willing to take the scores. Yeah, um, you, you need that back end to help out your goalie. You need some goalie support. And if you don't have that, yeah, I mean, your goalie can stand on his head sometimes, but he's not going to be able to bail you out night after night after night, and especially a long grinding season like the NHL is so compressed this year. I mean, yeah, it's 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 you need a solid back end. You see the teams with solid back ends like Vegas, who are just running through the entire league. 
Right. And, and and finally the Arizona Coyotes or the or the Arizona Cardinals, my bad. You <laughs> had the one year. Okay? The one real good year where I thought that was momentum. And then initially after the catch and everything else that unraveled. They had not yeah. been competitive since. They have a horrible offensive line. The defense still needs to end up, you know, the defense still has to be reshaped. Well, and Patrick so, Peterson is gone. Yeah, and presumably he's gone. So there, you pretty much just lost the heart of your of your secondary right and there. The only per- and the only person now that you have really now puts so much reliance on is Buda Baker. Yeah, you know and that. It, it it's just like it's it's really really crazy. Like, it, they, but to think they only missed the playoffs by one game. They controlled their own destiny at the end, and they just couldn't get it done against yeah. a very weak 49ers team. That yep. was severely, severely just hammered with injuries. And it, it should have been there. It was their game to win. It really yeah. was. And they had it in the palm of their hands and they just couldn't get it done. No, they could and, not and get yeah. For, the, for that reason alone, there's rumblings in Arizona that there nobody not a lot of people are too happy with Kyler Murray. No. There's not. Well, it, it, but it, it see, that's the thing because this comes back to the same conversation. Whether you have Kyler Murray or you have Josh Rosen, that offensive line is not protecting you. And at no. the same time, too, Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury, they, because they have Arizona's got to make this thing work. They've got to. They're in a position yeah. where their backs are against the wall. And if they can't make this thing work, Arizona is just going to be one of those places where it's just going to be one of those rebuilding teams and they ain't going to see a championship in like probably the next 10 years or so. That's just honesty. Look, (laughs) he's like, we just have to make the playoffs and we could beat anybody for the coyotes. Are you out of your mind? I mean, yeah, it's it's just not, I mean, you got Oliver Ekman Larson. Who's who's on a terrible, he's on the back end of his career. Phil, you got Clayton Clayton Keller, who it's like it's it's so much pressure on his shoulders. He's he's the probably one of the only bright spots on that forward line. He's yep. he's going to be something really special going forward. I believe that wholeheartedly. But it's just there's just not enough support there for it. There's just not <laughs> that guy. That guy could have a 60, 70 goal season, and the right. Coyotes will will still not make the playoffs. It's exactly just, because think about it. You you you're talking about stable organizations like St. Louis, uh, Vegas, and Colorado, like. Yep. It, those are and and Colorado's in the position. With that. Yeah, it's very hard to compete with that. And after with what happened in in the front office, that's a lot to recover from. And I yeah. and, and and I don't think Arizona is really going to recover well. They're not. I just uh, yeah, I I don't either. I, I I don't know what Arizona was thinking anyway by letting a guy who's only like twenty five years old be right. a GM for your team. Like I, I know he was highly touted as this highly analytical guy coming forward, but he did nothing but absolutely terrorize that team. Like they mm-hmm. had the whole situation with the draft pick and then the tampering, and and you're just signing you're signing players and veterans past their prime. Yeah, like Oliver Ekman Larson was a pretty big deal, but it's clear that he's not going to have the production of past, and neither is Phil Kessel. Kessel's one. You get those guys on your team to to give your. You do it like a Joe Thornton in Toronto. You, it's just a. It's just a nice little bonus for that veteran leadership in the locker room. You like right. having those guys in the room to lead the young guys and to show them. You don't right. bring them on because you think they're gonna 
they're going to post up the production that they have, you know, five years ago, because right. hockey is one of those sports where, it, you know, the, the grind of it rears its ugly head on an old body. Right. It does. I mean, look at Joe Thornton this year. He's out with a without a fractured rib and the, and the Maple Leafs have no idea when he's coming back. Yeah, I mean, that could because a rib is one of those injuries where it could take months. It could take weeks. It just it's it's, it's all it, it, all they all they can do is wrap it and say let it heal. They can't. It's no surgery. There's no nothing that can fix that. Right. You just got to exactly. wrap it and let it heal. Right. Exactly. And even to point even to point out to Ty Walker with with this one with you know with the the Vegas loss to Saint. Listen, that's one game that hasn't even become a, a complete series. I can't see we can't even we can't have this conversation based on one game. Can't. It has to be an entire series and stuff like that. And if you actually think about it, it was a competitive game through and through. You can't deny it. And David Perron got the better, you know, got the better end of the stick. He wins it in the shootout. But at the end of the day, Vegas is still competitive too. They 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 show no signs of backing down whatsoever. They continue to fight, you know, and that and that's initially what what's going to happen. And I mean, they got Mark Stone, Pacioretty. They, they just, they got, they got way, way too many high, highly off po- uh, offensive, powerful guys to, and, and a really good back end as well to just not, to just let it all unravel. Yeah, exactly. And regardless, Ty, it's one game, one game, <laughs> like one I'm game in a, in a compressed, condensed schedule. And that's, that's what happens. That's getting even more condensed. I, quite honestly, I mean, you know, Vegas has their problems, obviously, with COVID. They're they're out for a while because they they keep having COVID problems. But at the exactly. same time, it's it you can't one game out of even sixty five is still very this very. Is, micro. This is this is interesting. You had to overpay some of those players to build a culture. Coyotes culture is good now. That makes no sense. No. I, I I'm a little you befuddled should, by I'm befuddled. You should by never that. overplay any overpay any player at no, all. And by, and by the way, Charles, when you say that you're going to be better than the Wild and the Blues, well, of course everybody's going to be better than the Wild. You I don't know, know about the, the Blues, man. When they get Tarasenko back, yeah. When they we, get Tar- when they get Tarasenko back, yeah. That that that's going to be different. But again, it's the Minnesota Wild for God's sakes. And they, I, the Wild are, to me, I had them creeping into that fourth spot to get into the playoffs. They got a really young, good core there. I Dude. love watching Kaprizov. Yeah. I think that kid is going to be something special. He came out and he was on fire. Yeah, and they still have that defense core with Eunice Broden and uh, Matt Dumba. I mean, yep. there, there are some valuable pieces, but think about it. This is a year without Devin Dubnik. This is a year without um, you know, Eric Stahl. So it, you know that that I'm not sure how that thing's going to shape. I mean, I'm not saying I don't believe so much in Jared Spurgeon, you know, or or, or even right. Zachary, but still, like I think we're I think we're in a losing argument though. Where you're arguing with homers, basically, is what you're doing. I know <laughs> so it, that's it, a losing a, argument uh, every time. It's like trying to convince somebody why your team is better than theirs. This, this is why. This is why. This is why. Sometimes, whenever I just see these comments, I'm just like, uh. uh, uh. Okay, I yeah. know the difference between you know having a realist, uh, you know, opinionist like myself, you know, and even for Jeremy does as with the same line as well. But when you have these homers, it gets difficult. And it, trust me, like yeah, I, 
You know, you know, I, you know, I almost got into a fight with a Kings fan one time, and I knew he was a homer too. And I, I, I had to break it down to him. I said, "Listen, Jonathan Quick is not getting quick enough no more, and you're right. relying so heavily on Drew Doughty and Andre Kopitar that you're going to break away and you're a rebuilding team. Face it. They like, got some good, young, back. solid pieces, but I mean, it's it's not anything that's going to culminate them a championship right now, yeah. or even in a few years from now. It's going to take time to rebuild that, and because you're going to have to get rid of Quick first. Quick's not going to stay around long enough to watch that team rebuild and make another run. He'll he'll be exactly. pretty much dead as far as hockey's standards are considered by that time. Like it, it, you're just going to have to settle for the fact that it you you're just in a rebuilding process, and this is part of it. It's growing pains. That's part. That's half the reason why you were a fan of the team that you are is because you sit through the bad times in order to get to. That's what makes the good times that much more sweeter. Exactly. I mean, I've been waiting for an Av Stanley Cup now for 19 years, 20 years now, and, and we're just getting now to a is, point where we're talking fast. about it. Yeah, and think about it. This is fast forward after Joe Sakich and and Peter Forsberg years and Patrick Waugh. And Patrick Waugh and Adam Foote and you know it goes on and on and on and on with all with the amount of legends we had on that team. Joe Sackick, Peter Forsberg. I mean, you had you had guys. You know, it's just there were there were absolute led. They're all hanging in the rafters up there in, yeah. in Denver. So I mean, it, it's been twenty years since that's happened, and you know, yeah. I understand the Coyotes fans have been waiting forever. Yeah. You know, literally since that team pretty much arrived to Arizona, but right. I mean, you just get it's it's kind of right place, right time. I, honestly, yeah. You oh, you got to you got to you got to build it from the front office up. You know, right. we 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 didn't know that Joe Sackick was going to be this awesome wizard of a GM that he is now to build this Avalanche team. You know, we, we nobody knew that. Statistically, players who go into those roles they don't do well. You know, you yeah. see, you try to see like Wayne Gretzky coach after, you know, try to coach the Coyotes. That didn't work out at all. You see Patrick Waugh try to coach the Avalanche. That didn't work out at all. You yeah. know, but you're seeing it with GMs, though, like Steve Yeiserman over in Detroit, what he's doing. Like, I know it's not really much of anything to write home about right now, but he's building a great young team. Oh, yeah. You know? and, 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 and the catalyst of that is going to be Dylan Larkin. That's the way that they're yeah. kind of shaping this thing up because it's unfortunate with Henrik Zetterberg and you know with a bunch of players that they had initially in the past but this is a team that after the Stanley Cup win it just fell apart they you have just to go through that as a team every single team through every single sport goes through that period where you have that old veterans those those you have those veterans that are there to win and retire and then you have those medium guys who are you know they're they're hitting the prime of their career and then you have the young guys and you, once you once you get rid of those old veterans you you basically fall out of relevance for a while. It's it's not a monopolistic type structure here. You know right. what Tom Brady's doing is so rare. We will probably I, never see it again in our lifetime. I hope everybody realizes that. Exactly. You know we will, we will never probably see that again in our lifetime. Not for probably another 50, 60 years will we ever see something like that. No. Uh, to that level, six six titles, seven titles like you're not going to see it like that. You know, what was it? 13 of the last 20 Super Bowls he's been in. Like that's, that's ridiculous. You you'll never really see that ever again. That's, that's a, that's a, a unicorn. It, that's, that's just, it's a phase that every team goes through. You win a title and everybody wants to get paid and you have to make decisions. It's just that simple. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and think about it because 
even for a lot of fans up out there, like I have, like I've got one really good Patriots content creator, Bobby, um, who's on Butcher Block and Patriots Talk. He was reasonable after Tom Brady left New England after 20 years of spending it. He saw it at the very beginning. He saw it at the very beginning before Brady came into the picture and after he left. Like he saw it all and he was reasonable about it. And he says, I understand what they have to go through. We've had our championship runs, we've had our dynasty, and now this is happening. And he's I, fine with it. He understands and, and, that. And I went through that in Denver with Manning. I, I stood next to the guy. The guy almost hit me with his car. Okay. Peyton Manning almost hit me with his car. I stood yeah. I stood five feet from him every Sunday for three years. Eight Sundays a year. Like I I I like in the middle of that run. I looked at my best friend Jake and I was like, dude, you better enjoy all this now because once he's gone, it's back to the dark ages. That's yes, that's is. that's just basically what it is. Exactly. Like that's you you have uh, Brady's obviously was a lot longer of a sample size than Manning's was, but I I I know how it goes. I was the same thing with 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 the Avalanche, you know. I can't really say the same thing with the Nuggets because they never won a title, so. I, <laughs> Yeah, We're still waiting and, on that one. Yeah, I mean, and 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 this is what's funny about that with the Denver Nuggets because they had an opportunity too. I mean, they had Allen Iris, do Carmelo Anthony. And yeah, they still they re they they really do. I mean, I love Jamal Murray. I think he's very much he's caught my attention after last year's playoffs. I'll tell you that. And then same with Nikola Jokic, which I think he's he's ridiculous as a center. I, I can never, score fifty points a night if he wants to. Yeah, and he could rack he up. To. He could literally rack up 15 assists, if not more. Yeah, I mean, it's averaging a triple double almost every game. Exactly, and and but it's it's a lot of these young cats that 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 have to develop. And yep. I think that if you MPJ. put, I think if you put a veteran in the middle of this mix, this is going to be something that's going to be very interesting for Denver. Yeah, and they tried to do that with Paul Millsap, and that just really hasn't really Paul turned Millsap out as well. Past it, yeah. Paul, yeah. Paul Millsap was past his years since, um, God, since Atlanta, and since God, a lot of places. I really thought they. I thought I really thought they could have went well if they wanted if they would have went out last year and got Al Horford. You know, I mean, you think Al Horford? You know, you think that's the guy that's way past his prime too? But that guy could actually score when it matters. Yeah, you know, and I thought it would have really benefited this young team when they started having those woes of like, what do we do now? We've never been here, and he could just help them out get through those times to score. You know, right. I mean, but the truth is, I mean, last night we kind of see Michael Porter Jr. come alive a little bit. He he started to step up, but he really needs to step up to to have that effective three with Nikola Jokic, Michael Porter Jr., and um, there's one more I'm leaving out. Who am I leaving out? Oh, Jamal Murray. Excuse me. Yeah, Jamal Murray. You you need those three guys to be at their prime to really compete for the championship because until LeBron goes away, you're stuck dealing with him Yeah. in the West. It, it, it becomes, a, can, is it enough to beat LeBron James? Just kind of like anybody right now in the NFL, is it enough to beat Patrick Mahomes? That's still the question. Yes, it's still yeah. the question. You yeah. know, like you got to you got to assemble a team that's going to be better than uh, be good enough to beat the LA Lakers cuz they're going to probably repeat this year if you don't yeah it's it's absolutely true and that's what you know a lot of these a lot of these teams have to be fully aware of i mean um yeah this is like i said there are so many different storylines and there are a lot of things that like 
Um, again, we we look at the we look at the the speculations of every single team that's out there and wondering, you know, what what's what's now the next step? What's going to be the next plan and, and all this other stuff? And and they have they really have to think of how they have to build upon it, you know, and that and that's that's what it starts with, you know, and while, and, while trying to stay under their caps. Exactly. You know, that's the, I mean, that's the biggest killer to to a lot of uh potential dynasties as a way to level out playing fields and sports is salary caps. Yeah. That's why you don't see much leveling going out in baseball. I mean, baseball's got some parity for sure. I mean, Tampa Bay made it to the World Series, but you know, you know the Dodgers are always going to be there. You know, yep. they, they the rich got richer. They, they they they've been signing better better and better arms like Yep. You know, you know your usual suspects are going to make the playoffs every year. Yeah, it's true. yes, ba- baseball can be in any given year type sport, but at the same time, you know, since there's no salary cap, I mean, how long? What the Yankees bought? Like, was it 27, 28 World Championships? Like, mm-hmm. they've been doing that for that's their that's their thing. That's been Steinbrenner's thing forever. Oh yeah, I, I mean that passed that, away. That, that, that's been a trend for so long with the with the Yankees, and that's that's initially now, and they're trying to make these baby bombers, and it's just like it, it's not working out for them because of the fact of these there's 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 a lot of them that are so injury brittled, and at the same time they they never even won a championship in the tens, you know, and that does yeah. say a lot. And so, in the last World Series championship in two thousand nine, that had a stacked core with Teixeira, Granderson. Uh, you still had old veterans like Pettit, um, Jeter, Posada, a lot of players. But initially, after the superstars are gone and done, now you're gonna, now you're actually feeling what the A's always go through. A lot of these other you know uh, farm building type uh, organizations they do because that's what they rely yep. on. So, yep. but uh, man, we. we We've had an awful lot of really good stuff. And I'll tell you what, we've maintained the chats. We've literally maintained the chats this whole like evening. It. But yeah, it's it's awesome. But well, real uh, quick, real quick, Jake. Sorry. I just oh, want to get ahead. this in here. Um, I don't know if anybody knows, but I just want to say rest in peace to to Marty Schottenheimer. He passed away, unfortunately. Yes. Um, yeah. and that's uh one probably one of the greatest coaches of Probably our era, probably a little bit before that, even too. Oh I mean, my God. Yeah. I mean, Marty I, Schottenheimer. Yeah. And Marty Schottenheimer, I mean, since the start in Kansas City, I mean, with the, with how the culture was there and how competitive that they were to bring those talents to the Chargers as well when they were originally in San Diego. And like I said, that was a heartbreaking year to have such a stacked and talented team that went 14 and two and just to lose to Brady in the playoffs. Yeah. And then initially at the end got cut. I mean, that's that is one that I will never understand. And now it's you know it, it is unfortunate. And rest in peace, the good old Marty. And thoughts and prayers to the Schottenheimer family through this time. Because um, yeah, that that is that is a tough one. That is an absolute tough one. For but sure. um, but we definitely got our best for last here. What's going on, Derek Gatson? Uh, What's going on? Uh, we do have our best for last. I see you did end up uh, getting yourself uh, some cards up over here. So we're showcasing that here in these last final minutes that we have of the show before we wrap things up. So what seems to be yeah. cooking in the oven here, man? Because I know we've got at least a couple of real good cards about there. And hey, I'll even explain a little bit of some predictions and what my thoughts may be for some of these players. Well, I went uh, I went over today and I bought uh, 
uh, this hockey set cards here, uh, tw- uh, the Series 1 hockey from last year, 2019-2020. Um, I also went and I picked up a 2020 baseball update series here from last year as well. Um, you know, just just because I started getting it, I got, I, I'm getting back into card collecting again. I used to oh, do it when I, I was a kid. I used to do it. I used to have a really big, big card collection in the in the mid to late 90s as a kid. You know, my, my grandmother got me started with it, and then I just kind of built it from there. And then as I got older, I just kind of made ways with it. But uh, I've, I've kind of seen now there's there's um, a pretty um, pretty big resurgence within, especially within hockey. Uh, you know, uh, Upper Deck has this has this deal with hockey where now they started they're starting to put like players' jerseys, pieces of pucks, signed yeah. signed cards. You know, they're really getting into the to the um, to the collecting aspect of it. Yeah, and uh, it's really making a resurgence in that. I mean, baseball kind of does it too. So does the NFL, but it's not as it's not as hardcore as hockey fans are. Hockey fans are really, really hardcore about collecting cards, apparently. And I'm and I'm a hockey guy, so I was like, what better time? Especially, what better time to get into it now? Because next year with the Kraken coming in, those are going to be first edition cards. Those are going to be worth a lot of money at some point. You know, probably 20, right. 30 years. Those are going to be first editions for a new team. Yeah, you know, that's right. So, I mean, think about it with the Golden Knights when that was a first edition team right there because, yeah, in 2017, those were definitely valuable right there. And, you know, you'd go down the road and, of course, everybody will look at it as, you know, this was the group that started the first successful expansion franchise. And, yeah, so, um, yeah, I got a, I got a couple of really good ones here. I got a Willie McCovey card. Oh, that's is, valuable right there. Love Willie McCovey, man. Absolutely, as a giant, as a Giants fan myself, I mean Willie McCovey, obviously. Um, Cove. Yeah, just an absolute legend in in uh, San Francisco Giants baseball history. I also got a pretty uh, valuable one here, Lou Brock, as well. That's a good one, Lou Brock. Uh, it's a 35th anniversary as well card here, so it's I, I guess this is a reprint of like what Topps put out 35 years ago as well. Yeah, so those were cla- those were classic tops right there, dude. Like t- tops, they're so good at classics. Like they're so good at retros. Like that, yeah. that's one that like really brings you. Like here's yeah. a blast, blast from the past: Ken Griffey Jr. 1994 home run derby. Yo, that's, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good blast. Uh, blast from the past: seven home runs in that derby. I remember. That's, yeah. He, uh, you know, he's he was the runner up the previous two years in '92 and '93, and mm-hmm. uh, took it home that year. So that's that was a pretty good card. Um, I'm trying to go kind of modern with it as well, though. Oh, here's for uh, here's for Hammer. Here we got an Eduardo Nunez one uh, for New York wow. Mets. There. Oh God, I think I think he may have his. I think he'll have his peace of mind when he when I talk about Eduardo Nunez. He'll probably be like, Oh God, yeah. That- <laughs> But I, got a, I actually got, I actually got a two Mike Trout ones. Here's a Mike Trout one, and that's all. That's actually real good because he yeah. was the MVP Cincinnati. of that. Yeah, and then here's this another one of his, just a regular and uh, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Sorry, I was going to say Anaheim Angels, but I think that because that an All Star game, that's definitely going to be worth it because he was the MVP in that in that uh, in that All Star game. Absolutely. He, that was the second time he was the MVP. Because in 14, he was the MVP in Minnesota. And that was the, the back-to-back year. Yeah. Uh, here's another one. We just kind of talked to him briefly about him briefly uh, tonight. Is Chris Sale. Yep. yep, Chris Sale. 
that's a good valuable card right there too. And yeah. um, yeah, like I said, I mean, he's whatever, whatever Boston deal, you know, does here, he's still going to be the top end of that rotation, but they, they just need to start to build upon it. That's what Boston really needs to work on. But the one, I guess the one cool card I got is a little holographic is a Taylor Ward car card here. We've got a little bit of holographic action going on in the back there. Interesting. Pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Taylor Ward, no autographs, no, no, uh, no Jersey ap- apparels or none of that. Unfortunately in this set, uh, here, um, what was the last one I got? Oh, nope. That's, uh, that's pretty much all for the baseball side. I got a lot of great hockey ones, a lot of great hockey ones. Uh, let's start with, uh, uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov from the, from the Washington capitals there. That's a, that's yeah. a good one there. Yeah. Evgeny Kuz- I, yeah. Great stuff there. Um, let's see. Hold on. Oh, I got a, I got a canvas Tyler Bertuzzi one. This is like a different card. It's like a canvas type card. It's, really different uh, material that's it's pretty cool stuff there for sure yeah yeah because i think um i'll send you a link to a buddy of mine because what what i just seen he he got a bunch of packs from a buddy of his because he actually works with 2k and he uh um, oh, wow yeah so he deals with like a lot of like just the the designs productions and stuff like that um but he also does get like all the sport cards but he just got um, he got himself those prism packs for the NFL, and my God, they are beautiful, dude. Those prism yeah. packs are big time holographics. I got yeah. ridiculous. I got to get myself one of those because those are man. But there's a lot of a lot of card traders these days are just going like straight to like bulk purchasing instead of rather just individual pack purchasing. And that yeah. gets pretty hefty on the wallet <laughs> going it, right there. It, it does. It does. But think about just the reward afterward, dude. Like, trust Absolutely. me. Absolutely. There's a good one. Uh, Jamie Ben from the Dallas Stars, shooting stars, that's left wingers. That's yeah. a good It's a pretty good card. Mm-hmm. Um, my pick to win the Vesna this year, Carter Hart, Philadelphia Flyers goaltender. I really uh, have liked Carter Hart. I mean, he, the way Philadelphia has just looked, I mean, look. Correct me if I'm wrong. Philadelphia was the type of team that was hot and cold. They would either get hot at one moment, and then all of a sudden they get cold as ice. And then all of a sudden the second Carter Hart comes in, out of all of those goalie tandems they had, um, he's stable. And they built upon it because, remember, I thought they were going to trade away Shane Goatsbury, and I think that's a blessing they did not because that may have changed that defense. The offense is getting better with Konechny and Couturier, but you're hoping that Claude Giroux is really going to step things up for Philadelphia. But they look like they're stable, like they're a competitive state, you know, stable. You know, that's here's, here's one for Charles. I got a Christian Fisher Coyotes here. One for him. I don't oh, know. Lord. <laughs> this is one of the few. I got another Coyotes one for him too. I got a I got a I got a Brad Richardson too. Uh, Br- oh Lord. Giving a little kick skate there. <laughs> yeah, there kick, kick that button. Uh, Jared Spurgeon is the one we talked about. A little guy we talked about a little bit earlier on. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, this is a pretty awesome card. I don't know how rare it is, but it's kind of cool to see. Dougie Hamilton and the Hartford Whalers get up. Look at that. Wow, that's nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Dougie, pretty- Ham- Dougie Hamilton. It, it was so interesting when I remember that trade with him going from Calgary to Carolina 
it almost initially looked like nobody lost the trade. I thought it was win-win on both sides because it seemed like they were kind of not playing identical, but they both were having their own personal impact seasons. Um, and then, of course, the, the, the horrible part was when Dougie Hamilton suffered that injury. That was terrible. Yeah. But yeah, that was bad. But in the end, he's... Speaking of the Flyers, here's a guy who's been absolutely lighting it up for the Flyers later on. James Van Riemsdyk. He's yeah. been absolutely on fire this year, lighting it up for the Flyers. Aren't the Flyers happy to have him back? I remember when he was yeah. in Toronto, and it didn't seem like things were really clicking. Um, the second that the the Flyers got him back, oh, man, it, it's just been lights out for them. Here's a here's a little legendary blast from the past. Henrik Lundqvist for the New York Rangers too. Back yep. when he was was with them, kind of sad to see him part ways after all those years in New York, man. But I mean, New York just they kind of had to dump him. They had to do what they had to do. Yeah, and, and think about it because you you know you have Shishkin uh, and you have um, you know Alexander. Yeah, you know it, it, with all these goaltenders and stuff. I don't know how New York is really going to pan this out. I mean, they do have some valuable pieces, but like we talked about initially when I brought you on, um, we talked about Tony D'Angelo and a lot. There are some pieces. I mean, they're leading this charge with Mika Zibanejad. That's what it's looking like. Because think about it. This was a group that was coming off of Ryan McDonough, uh, Rick Nash, uh, Derek Stepan, and a lot of these guys. And then initially now they, they had to reload. They're yeah. hoping Lafreniere could be rookie of the year too. They're hoping he can win that Calder. They, they, uh, I mean, he had a he had a really few good years out out uh, coming from the Swedish leagues, but uh, hopefully it hasn't really translated to the NHL yet. But hopefully it can. Uh, got another good one, Brent Burns, San Jose Sharks. Brent Burns, yep, yep. Um, this is a good uh, series one checklist. Brad Marchand versus Ryan O'Reilly. There's some Blues action for you. I don't know who's the Blues fan in here. I remember uh, he's talking about him. Ty Walker. Walker, yeah, he. Yeah. Kansas City homer man. He loves the Chiefs and he loves the Blues. Here's he my pick. Here's my pick to to win the most points this year. Leon Drysital for the Edmonton Oilers. Him oh. and McDavid are just like the best duo in hockey. And you know what's so funny? Honestly, that it, what's so sad about Edmonton is that you have such an amazing duo like that, but you can't build it. You can't build off those duos for whatever reason. And you well, got, yeah, they, they, you're trusting all of this on Miko Koskinen, which all he's doing is just costing you games. Well, they tried to bring in this guy, Kyle Turris, and they tried to bring in Tyson Berry, and they just really haven't been up to production as of as as of late. To be honest, like give me your opinion about Tyson Berry. Because I said this that I, I just I just feel like Tyson Berry's overrated, dude. Like they 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 keep pushing to saying he's such a great defenseman. I don't see it. He had a horrible year in Toronto. Then you think he's going to revive his his career in Edmonton of all places. And it's like, I yeah, I think, I, I think his better days are behind him for sure. I mean, I think his better days were in Colorado, but that's because, you know, you're, you're so you're only so good as sometimes as the team around you. And they had a really, really nice team around them there. Yeah. You know, um, I got a, I got a ton more here. We got a, we got a good uh, goalie veteran here, Tuka Rask, Tuka Boston Rask. Bruins. Yeah, it's yeah. always good. Uh, one guy who's absolutely lighting it up for the Flames early on too, Sam Bennett. This guy's been on fire. I have early some on 
that that talk a lot about Calgary Flames podcasting. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but they're called In the Dome Podcast. Those guys are diehard Calgary uh, Flames fans, and they have said a lot of really good things about Sam Bennett and about good Andrew, young, and also about Andrew Mangiapane. Like they, yeah. yeah, they they've had some really good. Sam things. Bennett's got a really uh, he's got a lot of potential, man. You talk about a guy with a lot of speed. That guy can get it really going, and uh, you can really light the offense up. Uh, here's a good old kind of. Uh, we were talking about the Kings earlier. Here's Drew Doughty. Oh, <laughs> here's, here's, so, uh, so doubtful. So here's doubtful. A, here's a blast from the past, and the guy the Kings wish they would have kept. That is Tyler Toffoli. Because, <laughs> boy, is he ever having a year from Montreal. <laughs> you know what's so funny about that now that he went to Montreal? Because think about when he that trade to Vancouver. They were getting so... I said this before. They were getting so loaded on offense... I feel like the team completely forgot about defense. And you're and you're asking Jacob Markstrom to just play out every single game. Dude, the guy was getting wore out. Like, you yeah. know, we've seen that so many times. And then they're getting so offensively bolstered that you look at this defense. I was just like, dude, if you figure out one way to beat the defense, you'll yeah. win. Hey, he's a great two-way defenseman. He's a lot of highly efficiently proficient and not only that, they added Corey Perry to that mix too. I mean, you, you, I, if the Montreal Canadiens don't at least make the playoffs, I'm going to be severely disappointed in them. They got a lot of great talent with Nick Suzuki, got Brandon Gallagher on there. They got a lot of great forwards and some pretty good back ends. They, they, ha- you know, it's uh, it's actually kind of funny about this because I I even said this about the Canadians earlier because I was asking the question: Are they really legit? Because think about it, the Josh Anderson trade for Max Domi, that was huge. Um, yeah, initially getting Tyler Toffoli in that contract deal, they still have Tomas Tatar. They have Brennan Gallagher. Um, Nick Suzuki was a steal. Nick Suzuki was an absolute steal, and I will say this because me from a Vegas per- perspective, when we got um, Max Pacioretty. That was a guy that I knew was going to be slow to start in the process because it was one that we just we just basically started this whole thing, you know, and it hadn't even reached its peak yet. So it was something that was, you know, initially going to start itself up. But when Pacioretty, when he gets going, I thought he's a guy that that is very valuable to have. And so far, he's still doing it again. Him and Stone yeah. are are just valuable on that line. Oh, dude, it, uh, unbelievable. Um, Ty Walker, I don't have any Tarasenko cards, but I do have a Tyler Bozak one for the Blues. That was the only other one for the Blues I really had sought out. Um, probably one of probably one of the best hockey players in the world right now. You can't just you can't leave out Nathan McKinnon, man. I mean, that guy. That man at I, some point he needs to get a Stanley Cup as well. Oh yeah, I th- I think I think within the next five years, I think Colorado for sure probably will win one, and they'll probably have a kick of a can at another one within the next five to ten years. There's will, so much depth on that team, like I, it is unreal. I will be in complete awe if they don't. I would be in such complete awe if they don't, because that is that is an awful lot of talent all the way from the top down. With him, Landeskog, Rantanen, 
you know, it, it, fuck. Now, now Bo and Byram. Now you Bo you got you got Kale McCarr still there. Yeah, you got you got a lot of great talent. Yeah, you know oh, yeah. you got a lot. You, you, it's like a factory. What the Avalanche are doing with with their with their farm between their farm system and them. I mean, you still got you got uh, Nazem Kadri still there. You know he's, but he's on the he's on his contract year too. So I mean, there's going to be some decisions for the. I mean, McKinnon's going to have to get repaid again. You right. got some decisions to make. Like this is kind of the the window. This is the window right now that the Avalanche are in. And you know um, what's so funny is the, 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 the only person that I can feel so salty for is Pierre Edouard Belmar. Dude, I have a buddy of mine that like his um like his parents literally take care of his house. Like him and his wife's house, and his oh. son actually like met him in person, got him a, a hockey stick, got him like um, I think awesome. he also got him like a helmet as well. And it, dude, he had the time of his life, and he literally said, "It in his house here in Vegas, he wanted to retire here, like yeah. he wanted to be here." And I'm like, then he goes and takes the 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 contract to Colorado. I'm like, what the hell? He probably recognized the the talent they have there and the potential of winning a cup. At, at the end of the day, Jake, all any NHL player wants to do is just win a Stanley Cup. You know, he probably realized that 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 opportunity may have been closing with Vegas, and he probably understood that you know saw all the youth and all the good youth that the Avalanche have. It's not not a knock against your team, by the way. But it's just what a lot of people are starting to recognize now with the Colorado Avalanche is that they have a ton of really good, really young players. Yeah. And that is there is so much longevity in that that I don't blame any player for wanting to come here and be a part of that. I'm surprised Taylor Hall didn't want to come here in the offseason. There were a lot of rumors that the Avs were going to make a run at him, and then he goes off to Buffalo for God yeah. knows what reason. But you know, you know what's so unfortunate about Taylor Hall? And listen, if Edmonton fans and Devils fans, they could feel one way or the other. They could either be like, okay, thank God, or they could be salty. Because Edmonton, before Leon Dreisaitl even came around the picture. It was Taylor like, Hall. It was Taylor Hall. It and, was. And Edmonton fans were pissed at that trade. They were was so pissed. And then when I looked at what he did in Vegas, his first year as an expansion team, th that kid was ridiculous. Well, yeah, it was they had the big three there at Edmonton. They had Connor McDavid, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and Taylor Hall. Yep. I mean, Nugent Hopkins is still there, yep. but you know, you had you had those three big guys. I mean, they just couldn't get a, a good solid goalie or a back end to support him. They could not. They, and now you have Dreisaitl. You know what's so funny is because they had Tyler Ennis and they had at one point uh, Andreas and Thanasiu and still, like, and, and they lost the playoff game to freaking Chicago of all teams. You know, and that, yeah. that that's what really says a lot about it, about a team. But uh, I, when I look at it too with, um, and, and to your point with Belmar, because What's so funny about that is that even though, like, because I loved watching Belmar play defensively, he stuck to the goaltender at all costs. And you know what's funny about that? When the the Knights got Alec Martinez from the Kings, he reminded me so much of what Belmar did because of the way you just see how protective he is on defense. And he's a guy that's like, no goal is going to get, no 
puck is going to get past me. You know, and that's that's the mentality that he has. And and what's so funny about that, even if he left, the Knights went to the Stanley Cup. You know, they went to the the uh, the Western Conference Finals. Yeah. Well, good news about Belmar, too. Uh, I was just listening to Colorado Sports Talk Radio this morning. He is going to be back. Uh, Bednar said he's uh, coach. Jared Bednar said he's going to be back. Uh, Whatever the Avs resume playing, they were supposed to go to Vegas this weekend. Now that's probably not going to happen because Vegas is having COVID problems. So the Avs are more than likely probably going to get two weeks fully off because of COVID. But um, he Belmar, it looked nasty with that injury he took in, in Minnesota. But now he looks he looks to be just fine. So we're it's been a blessing in disguise this break has for the Avalanche because it's it's given you know we had McKinnon hurt, we had Belmar hurt, you know we had Eric Johnson hurt again. So it's like it's it's given those players time to rest and time to get back on the ice. All three of those players will be back. So right, exactly. Well, folks, I mean, like we said, we had another great night and another uh, great content as well that's getting up out there on the Spotlight Sports Network. And we really do appreciate every single one of you guys that have been on here with us tonight. It definitely carried over for a long time. But, hey, it, I enjoy it's, this. It's a, Oh, man, I, so do I. I mean, this is what this is initially what, like I said, I I look to at some point put a career on this, you know, and that yeah. that that's one day that will. Definitely get up out there, man. But when that opportunity does come up, yeah, it's going to be something special. I mean, I mean, my wife gets mad at me every time, but it's worth it. <laughs> hey, there you go. Well, we really do appreciate it, you guys. Thank you so much for joining myself in uh, with Jeremy Case as well. We hope you guys have a great night. Stay safe. Continue to um, stay safe and healthy as well. And uh, we will see you guys back on Monday when we have our show back up on uh, the Spotlight Sports Network as well. Uh, do keep in track because we will have picks and predictions for um, for NXT, for all of our wrestling fans up out there in the Gully Zone. And of course, too, I will also be doing, uh, I'll be back to doing live play-by-play reactions for the Golden Knights against the San Jose Sharks as that will be at 1 p.m. Ooh. Pacific. Yeah, it's going to be fun stuff. I, You know what's so funny? Every time it's like the Knights are always facing the damn ducks. Like, can we can we face another different opponent, please? It's like we, hey they're man, always you had your shot to face us and you just got COVID. COVID yeah, and then <laughs> COVID happened. And then we had the chance to play in San Jose also, and that game that game gets canceled and postponed. And I'm like, so finally it'll it will be in San Jose. So um that's gonna be fun. Listen, I'm gonna have my gummy sharks ready because I always do that as a tradition with the shark. <laughs> messing with them i had twice where i had two games it was in the it was in the stanley cup playoffs and one that was regular season where um they scored seven goals so i had like seven gummy sharks that i was eating up and i'm like still keeping on at them i think they're the most punned on team in the nhl they seriously are they are like as soon as the baby shark song got really big it was the year i had tickets season tickets for the abs and like every time like they take a penalty they play the baby shark song (laughs) for them like every time when evander kane feels very little of himself (laughs) when you got ryan raves up over there go everybody go here i'm gonna give you right (laughs) right they just get punned on so bad and you know what though it'll be exciting for the first It'll be exciting for the first meet because think about it. This is a Kane. This is the same guy that filed for bankruptcy because apparently wants to fight bank- Logan Paul. Apparently, oh god, yeah, this, this bankruptcy <laughs> hey, is really taking a toll on him. 
yeah, I don't understand why you would that's do that. Of, I guess that's kind of that's kind of embarrassing knowing you're a professional hockey player in your playing career still, still playing. It, it makes sense when retired athletes do that because it's like, oh yeah, you probably blew all that money, but right. when you're still playing, that's kind of alarming, man. That's and not that really good. Says a lot to an organization because think about it with the contract <laughs> that you're given. They're they're not expect. Listen, they they could care less about how you spend the you know the money that you earn but at the same time when news like that breaks out that's almost questioning and concerning that's one yeah. that like as a general manager i don't know how they'll deal with this but that to me that that will feel alarming if i was a general manager that's an alarming thing definitely like, for sure what the hell are you doing like you know what i mean but all righty, guys. Well, we really do appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for jumping on, and we will see you guys next week on Monday. Take care. <laughs>